0: Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's Thursday, the 29th of March. Exciting, isn't it? Exciting. No, not really. It's
0: just Thursday.
1: But the good news is that this could be your last day at work because you should, or well, most of you, will probably get Friday off. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. As that's, that's nearly a week. Nearly a week off. Enjoy it. Especially if, as they tell us, the weather is going to be absolutely atrocious. Why is it? I'm sick to death of rain. Sick to death of rain. I've had enough of it. I want some sunshine. I'm not even a sunshiny sort of person. I couldn't really care less. But I just, I'm fed up with this miserable weather. I'm fed up with the it being overcast. After our flood at home was still, it was going to take for months. This one is to dry everything out. But uh, and I get the car back today, so that's good news, isn't it? I quite like that idea. Getting the car back. It'll be ready from nine this morning. I'm very excited. Uh, You've guessed it, this weekend, the washout. Easter treats trigger asthma. Uh, want to live on Britain's most exclusive beach, beachfront? It's obviously a free advert for another house at Sandbanks. Do you really want to live near Harry Redknapp and all those sort of people? And I love the way they go, it's £9 million. Every house on Sandbanks is £9 quid. They don't have cheap places. Flats work out about 2 to million. And what somebody will do is they'll actually buy somebody's house and then knock it down and put up something like this, and they go, oh, it's even got a swimming pool, a big deal. Who are you appealing to? Who are you appealing to? Anybody who's got nine million to spend, if you spend nine million quid, I would expect a blooming swimming pool. I'd expect a driveway with electric gates. I'd expect, you know, a subterranean garage, a state-of-the-art kitchen, a cinema room, a solarium and a sauna and probably at least four or five bedroom suites, which are en suite. And they make such a big deal but a whole page in one of the papers on basically a free advert for a £9 million house. They're all £9 million. It's Sandbanks. It's near Bournemouth. It's God's waiting room. People go there. And then they, they say, oh, yes, we live on Sandbanks. Oh, right. What's it like? Oh, very nice, actually. Very, very nice. 84850. How many broadcasting rooms are in the LBC building? Well, in uh, here, in this building? God, I wouldn't even like to imagine. When you say broadcasting rooms, do you mean how many studios do we have in this building? Um, there you go. You can work that out next door. You could be sitting there working that one out. I can tell you that there's a 1,000 people here in the daytime. There's a 1,000 people working in this building. And uh, we've got a coffee shop downstairs. There's um, a sort of little sort of restaurant thing and everything else. We're, 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 we're trying to add up how many studios we think we've actually got in this building. There's, there's quite a number of floors of studios. There's a new ones being built for one of our sister stations at the moment, and uh, ours was done a little while ago. And then Capital's studios were done, and uh, they're all, it's all state of the art, touch screen and move this move. But I'm, we're trying to work out how many there are because on one of the floors there's a whole suite of rooms that they use for the voiceovers and stuff like that. But there's quite a lot on this. Are you counting them all up? How long is it taking? To count them, it can't be that complicated, can it? I'm having a major discussion on how many how many broadcasting rooms we've got. Then, of course, there's a huge office. Each radio station has got huge offices, which go along with it as well. So, are you still adding it up? It, well, how long does it take? How, how many are you up to? We think sixteen. We 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 think sixteen broadcast suites. Is, oh, here we go. They're, they're counting all of them because downstairs it could be twenty. We're not sure. It's a lot, whatever it is. It is. If, if you came in when, when you first come into the building, when we first came in, they had to give us a book to tell us where everything was because we didn't know. We think we think twenty. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot of. So j- just on my little space here, there's three, three, three broadcasting suites here, and then at the end of the corridor, there's another. Two big studios, one of which I use occasionally. There's four out in the newsroom. <laughs> it's a lot, isn't it, really? I wish you'd not asked, Rob. It's far too It caused arguments in here. Seriously, people argue it was 16. No, it's 20. Yeah, we're going to go around and count them. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And you remember I did a thing yesterday? And it was very interesting to see how tuned in you can be. On a radio station. And then a friend of mine said, we actually pinched your idea yesterday. When I said, take the invisible deck of cards and you go through it, you know, and then you pick a card out. And uh, we we picked, or I picked, the Seven of Hearts. Amazing how many people picked the Seven of Hearts and the Jack of Spades. Got another one for you today. I'm thinking of a word. And it'll be interesting. I'm going to transmit this word to you in a minute and then you you've got to work out what what you think the word is okay i give you no clues it's just based purely on whether or not i can do thought transference a lot of people do that they say you can influence people by by thinking of a of a word you know it's not a phrase or a saying it's just one word but what would that word be just after quarter past i'll i'll transmit the word you know through my thought process, and then we'll see who actually picks up on it. That'd be good, wouldn't it? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Steve, I've just started a 12-day break, and I'm going to start all of them the usual way, spiking. And now I can truly wallow in the scandal that is Aussie cricket. Oh, dreadful, isn't it? People are still saying to me this morning, they're saying, why would you want to do that? Because they're stupid, that's why. You know, they always say, there's just somebody else being caught The police have arrested somebody who's been sending malicious emails. I mean, are these people of limited intelligence? Because I've said to you, if you send an email, it's got your identity of your computer. They can find you within seconds. Find you within seconds. It's so easy to do, to find somebody. And then they seem surprised when they're carted off and their parents go, well, we didn't know what he was doing in his bedroom. And you go, well, he was obviously sending malicious texts and emails to people. But uh, they can find you very quickly. Your your computer's got a a code. It's got a number on it. I've got a number on my computer. When it sends something out, it'll tell you where it's come from. They can pinpoint you very quickly and still people get caught for it. I just don't understand, you know. I mean, uh, the the other thing... Oh, yes. Oh, sorry. The other thing that we got from yesterday is Steve Smith, captain, and the vice-captain, David Warner, won't be allowed to play for Australia again for a year, while Cameron Bancroft, who actually did the ball tampering, is banned from the team for nine months. Cricket Australia, which is what they're called, is also making Smith and Warner community service for local cricket clubs in Australia. Are you stupid? Why would you want them anywhere near a cricket club? I mean, I just don't understand. Surely you'd send them somewhere else, wouldn't you? Anywhere but a cricket club. So this is what you actually do, OK? You rub the ball here, or failing that, you take the ball and you rub it up and down your zip, either on your trousers or on your sort of your little jacket thing at the top, and then you stand a very good chance of winning. And that, so only a year. Only a year ban. I mean, I mean, I think they should have been kicked out completely. I think that's just unforgivable. I mean, you don't want them doing d i y with sandpaper, do you? Imagine they say we're going to rub down some benches and somebody gives them a bit of sandpaper. That'd be a hilarious thing, wouldn't it? They could show that on Australian television. I don't think anybody's understood the irony of this of how of how bad it is. You wouldn't find our lot doing it, not really, but i mean it is it is most bizarre but i'd have I'd have kicked them out completely, I'm afraid. But, uh, OK, the culprits may have been banned for a year, but they could still come back and make up their financial losses, says uh, Bish. But their names are tarnished forever. They, listen, they will forget. They're Australians. They'll, they'll forget about it. Two two sessions on Bondi Beach, a blonde bimbo with boobies hanging over the bales, and they'll be back in the limelight again. That's how it works, isn't it, out there? But, uh, you know, their names are tarnished. But uh, for all that money, I wouldn't want that. Uh, you would if you knew how much money it involved. You know, And also, Smith and Bancroft have been sus- uh, suspended from captaining Australia for at least the next two years. Australia's Prime Minister, Malcolm, Malk, as we call him, has said the affair bitterly disappointed the whole nation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it it is so serious. And then now the newspapers have come up with things on how you tamper with a cricket ball. First of all, get your cricket ball, then get a piece of sandpaper. As I say, they've been doing it for years. People have been tampering with balls for years. You know, you can, uh, you know, many's the time you look at them walking out onto the pitch, you go, I bet your balls have been tampered with. You could just tell when you see them walking out there because they they just got that look. They don't seem to have any shame about it. It's very disappointing, very disappointing. I, of course, never really took to cricket. I was more ping pong. The balls were easier to tamper with. Just stuck a bit of chewing gum underneath it. I didn't realise that you could interfere with a cricket ball by sort of sucking a sweet. And then the saliva and the sugar combined together makes the ball slightly rough around the edges. So, uh, if you're playing in your local cricket league, try and out one. That'll go down a bomb, I tell you. Just, just be seen sucking. But give everybody barley sugars. They can all suck. Oh, I love a barley sugar. You, you can all suck barley sugars, and then people go, "Oh, this is fantastic, isn't it?" And we can tamper with our balls and sort of do it. You find all sorts of kids doing it. You know, when when I was, uh, I used to do cricket. I wasn't particularly good at it. I was better at rugby, actually. Except I had to stop playing rugby because I became insecure. I thought every time they went into the scrum, they were talking about me. So I thought, no, I'm not doing that anymore again. So then I I turned my attention to athletics and I discovered that my prowess on the field was, uh, was quite exceptional. I've got cups and medals for what I can do in a field, leaping over things. I could spread my legs wider than anybody else at the time. It's almost like a joke, isn't it, really, when you say something like that? For some reason, I think of TOWIE. And um, I don't know why. Or Made in Chelsea, or just any of those sort of programmes. Uh, I'll be at Brighton all Easter from tomorrow, says Sanjay, because it's just one big party on the gay scene. Oh, is that this weekend? Is that Brighton Pride this weekend? Or is it just Brighton's gay scene? Which, to be honest with you, is just full of queens from London who go down to Brighton. They're not really people who live in Brighton, are they? Brighton Pride bright in August, oh, that's right. Because then you, you, you've you got Louise Nerdin to look forward to, haven't you, as part of the cabaret. Oh, a cup of tea. Do you know, I bounced out of bed this morning. I bounced out of bed. I was watching a bit of television. It was one of those good ones. And it was not the can't pay will we'll take it away. But it's the, um, the, one, the high court sheriffs where they go round. And people seem to think that they're bailiffs. And they had to explain to this bloke the other day. They said, no, we're not bailiffs. We're from the high court. This isn't. And he said, well, you, you you can't take anything. And they said, well, we are. We are taking it. It's as simple as that, you know, because you've cheated people. He thought he was being really clever, kept calling them bro and all that kind of thing. So obviously a person of restricted um, intelligence and he had a car and it was registered to him. And then to prove what a crook he was. He only owed three three thousand quid. You thought uh, because he, he then said, first of all, no, I paid the money back. I didn't. I don't owe this and all the rest of it. And you can't do nothing because you're like your bailiffs. And they went, no, we're not bailiffs. We're from the High Court. Okay, it's gone through that. I never had no paperwork. Well, we've been here three times, so you're a liar, aren't you? Made yourself out to be a liar on television because eventually he suddenly realised that his car was going, but it turned out he had another car. But they didn't want that one. They just wanted this particular one. So he said, what are you going to do? Clamp it? They went, it's clamped. They've got little clamps, which they just put on the back of this thing. And, um, and then he was sort of arguing the toss. And he said, well, can I just pay you £100 or something? And they went, no, it's £3,000. You've missed all those opportunities. And then poor old thick boy thick uh, suddenly realised that, you know, life was passing him by very quickly. And they were going to take his car. So he came up with a wonderful wheeze. He came up with the lie that he had sold the car to his sister or mother, whoever it was who turned up. I can't remember. And uh, and so she turns up, lies through her teeth. You know, really, I mean, what an old crook she turned out to be. And she said, you can't touch that car, it's mine. He sold it to me, so that, quite rightly, the enforcers go, when? And she said, yesterday. And it turned out, all he'd done, he'd gone to get the V form, ripped off the bottom bit, put her name and address on it. So they said, well, unfortunately, it's not... Anybody can write that. And so we're we're taking it anyway. And this woman was sort of giving them... And at one point, they heard her telling him what what to say. And so the bailiff said... Well, they weren't bailiffs, high court enforcers. uh, He said, well, it's not going to make any difference. She said, why are you listening in our conversation? She was a right old crook. She was. And he made herself look very stupid. That, uh, as I say, always provides entertainment for us. OK, should we take a short break? I feel like I'm on holiday already, actually. I feel like, you know, I should put sand down in the studio and get my bucket and spade out or something like that. But at least it's not raining. At least it's... I got very wet yesterday going home. Very wet. Very miserable day. And I didn't like it at all. You're listening
0: to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to have you, Company 4.20. Steve Allen's early breakfast, Thursday the 29th of March. If this is your last day at work, then it means that you're off uh, tomorrow which you're probably looking forward to, aren't you? You're probably going, oh, I can't wait for the Easter weekend. I can't wait to get the car back. That's the highlight of my day. You'd never believe it, would you? Other people have have different things that they look forward to. Me, because I've not had the car, they've, they've given me... I've got a Suzuki at the moment. I mean, seriously, the embarrassment. I've had to get dark glasses, woolly hat, big scarf around my face and everything, just to sort of cover up the embarrassment of the whole thing. Not just any Thursday, says Linda. It's Maundy Thursday. And uh, passed by Hampton Court Green the other day, the fun fair is being set up, so ready for you and Paul. Yes, I think I think we'll probably, uh, I hope it doesn't rain on Sunday, we're probably going to go Sunday, I should imagine. And uh, she says, Happy Easter from a member of the Spikers Group. For those people who don't know what Maundy Thursday is, this is where the Queen goes out and gives out the Maundy money. And it's uh, it's a tradition that dates back many, ma- I don't know what you're supposed to do with it, I don't think it's, you can't go and buy anything with it, you just have a set of Maundy money. And uh, the Queen says, oh, I like the look of that. I'll keep one of those. There's a lovely picture of her with um, a foreign dignitary in Buckingham Palace. And what have they focused on? Well, nice picture of the Queen and the foreign dignitary. A little two-bar fire. Because it must be blooming freezing cold, that place. It must be. Seriously, dreadful, dreadful. Uh, I cannot concentrate. Read the word. Too traumatised after viewing the naked body of Arge on television last night, says Glynis. I mean, what a... I mean, seriously, he has let himself go. So he's had cosmetic surgery on his face, but he's already taken his clothes off before. It's nothing... Seriously. I don't know why they're coming up with this balderdash about, oh, he's very ashamed of his body. He stood stark naked, exhibiting himself on the internet, sending it to some girl. I mean, to be honest with you, it's it's either cobblers that he's coming up with, uh, or his body's changed. But having seen the state of his body... Oh, God, grief, honestly... I'm not surprised he's, uh, he's happy with Gemma Collins, you know, because it's uh, they've both got bodies that so look very similar as far as I'm concerned. Uh, right. So the word, the word, the word, the word. This is this is what I will think of a word. OK. Uh, and I will then by a process of thought transference, I will send you the word. Now, some of you might be receptive. You might be people who uh, who can see the word straight away. Other people might might struggle with it. And uh, it's not a, not a peculiar word. Uh, I don't tell you anything about it. I don't tell you, you know, whether it's big, little, medium, you know, nothing. I can, I can tell you it's an English word. That's all I can tell you. It's, you know, a word in English. And I'm going to think of it now. And then you see if you can think of the same word, if you, if you get an image that comes into your mind. OK, I'll think about it and I'll do it for 10 seconds. It's going to seem like an eternity, I promise you. But from now... OK. Yes, exactly. I've just realised, actually, I can't, I can't not talk for ten seconds. Otherwise, in-conversation kicks in with me, and that'll just confuse everybody. What's the matter with Steve Allen? He's disappeared to be replaced by Steve Allen. So, did you get the word? Did you get the word? Only the one word. And, uh, and, if, and, and if you got it, well done. Well done. But uh, I, sh- I shall let you know at the end of the programme, if anybody's actually got it right. I'm hoping so, Because I like to think at this time of the morning, when your mind is relatively uncluttered, that you can um, you can sort of pick up on it. That's the idea. Uh, what was the other one we've got? Oh yes, so, so the the sandbanks property. It's nothing special, believe you me. Just looks like another house, which probably cost about two million to build, and they shove it up for nine million because people who want to live on sandbanks have got that sort of money. Uh, Richard Madeley under fire for teasing the weather presenter. It was a bit pervy, I'm afraid. You know, but we didn't quite talk about her outfit and stuff like that. We don't need that kind of talk on the television. We really don't. Uh, also, the handshake which could signal that Kim Jong un is ready to give up the nukes, he seemed very jolly actually i'm hoping that he's seen the light and he's um, he's sort of decided that there's no point in being out there on a limb all by yourself. you know come into the real world, come in with us you know with a bit of like, he was meeting the uh, the Chinese premier as well and their respective wives. first time i 'd seen actually Kim jong un's wife, but he smiled just that stupid haircut isn't it but no i mean i'm I'm hopeful of great things. Hopeful of great things. Uh, Also, uh, the teacher that we mentioned the other day, this is the uh, jihadi, who was uh, brainwashing about 100 children to commit atrocity in this country. He's a thick, pathetic, little slimy toad. Okay, but he managed to get two council houses. How did he manage to get that? He told lies. He told lies. He claimed that his wife needed a house for herself. So, you know, it's, it's just lie after lie after lie. And he was her carer. But he lived 20 minutes away. What sort of carer is that? Answer, a bent carer. Anyway, he's gone to prison for a long time, so she'll have to find somebody else now, won't she? Uh, a, a bunny's cute. A bunny's cute this Easter? I think so. It's, you know, as as they're not dead bunnies. They want dead bunnies. I quite like it in the early morning. I remember going to Hampton Court Palace some years ago, and I drove through at about four in the morning as the mist was coming off, and it looked sensational in the, uh, in the, the rear entrance. You come in by Kingston Bridge and you drive through the parkland, and there were bunnies everywhere. And I remember thinking that is just so quintessentially British. It just looked lovely. It was the mist that was lying low, and then sort of oh, it was just it was beautiful. It was absolutely lovely. Uh, Steve, um, I just wondered uh, why they haven't come up with mouse-flavored whiskers cat food. Maybe one day they will. Why don't they? I mean, do they, do they actually eat mice? I thought they. Oh, I don't think about it. Actually, it's far too depressing at this time of the morning. But yeah, you, you're probably right. Actually, you're probably right. I don't know why they haven't done. There must be some reason. Uh, do you sleep before or after your show? Says Kazim. Uh, I sleep before. So this is now my day. You said, because I'm uh, just starting night shifts soon. So it'd be interesting to know. It's it's an art. I'm telling you, it's a real art. The producer will go home to bed. Okay, but I've been to bed, because I finish at seven in the morning, he's been here all night and so I finish at seven so I can go home, sometimes I have a little lie down a little lie down, probably about half an hour to an hour, and then I just automatically wake up and I go and get some air it's the air that you need, but then I'll go to bed probably about six o'clock uh, yesterday I was in bed a little bit earlier, probably about half past five quarter to six, and uh, and slept all the way through, which, well I woke up once but that's lovely, but it's an art form you cannot have a normal life if you work this end of the day but no, uh, sometimes some of my fellow presenters go home to bed. In fact, actually, most of them go home to bed, but I don't. Because if you were finishing like uh, Darren, he finished... We're well, not going to stay up now, is he? It's the early hours of the morning. It'd be ridiculous. So he would go home to bed and would sleep through to whatever time. I used to, when I used to finish at five in the morning, I used to sleep through till two in the afternoon, get up, have something to eat, a bit of air, come back, and then have a doze for a few more hours. So Because you have to, you have to do it properly you know all those people who go oh it'll be easy peasy you know i'm doing a breakfast show or i'm doing something and i go you wait you wait you'll find it very difficult you got to... i've been doing it such a long time it doesn't make any difference to me that's why i sound fairly bouncy and chirpy at this time of the morning because this is my this is my my morning this is my my daytime so that that would be my advice uh steve uh, have you bought easter eggs for the kids no no, haven't bought Easter eggs, no. I should be going down to my godchildren on Saturday and I will probably, uh, I think I've got some Easter eggs in the car, little, little tiny Easter eggs. And they'll probably have those, uh, but not really. It's not like buying, you know, Easter eggs like you get them with Cadbury's beans in or something, I don't know, whatever it is inside them, you know, uh, Smarties. Uh, so I I don't do that Years ago we had to Easter eggs as kids You'd have about three or four And you'd go, God, that's really exciting I used to love opening up the Easter eggs or Smashing them basically And then finding the little cellophane bag inside With the sweets Or it might have some chocolates there Which was quite nice I used to like that So um, uh, another one here Wait a minute uh, A lot of people who work nights Listen to uh, to the radio Not the easiest thing Not the easiest thing, is it, really? Uh, let's have a look at, wait a minute, this one, if I can preview. Uh, I played cricket for 20 years and was the designated ball shiner. Only ever you used saliva in my flannels to rub the ball, says Bish. No wonder we hardly ever won. Yeah, I mean, it's it, that's why you see, you can always tell the bowler, he's the one who's got the red stripe down his trousers, because they rub the ball on it, which is a bit of a pain, I suppose, really, isn't it? Um, Sally in Worcestershire is 60 today. 60, honestly. What's it like? Do tell. I'm fascinated by things like that. And um, um, ah, Paul says, I've been listening to you for ages. Had to pull over on my way home from work. Casino bartender. The word is cake. No, it's not. It's not. I'm not even going to give clues on it because I'm hoping if somebody actually gets it, that will definitely be thought transference, won't it? You have to to see the word quite clearly. I'm, I'm sending the word again. Very quickly, because otherwise you know it'll, it'll end up going into something else. So the word is there you go. That was the word again. Uh, nobody's got it yet, nobody's got it yet. Uh, nobody's close, as far as I can see. Wait a minute, I have to quickly check through just in case, just in case. Uh, Steve Cricketers, what is it with these so-called sportsmen that makes them want to cheat? Next they'll be putting banana skins on the pitch to make the opposition slip over. There's CJ. Actually, who's that? Is it Tyson Fury, who's not really a boxer at all, is he? He's a cage fighter or something. Conor McGregor. Oh, right. Who's Tyson Fury, then? What does he do? Oh, he is a boxer, because apparently he's, he's getting ready for another one of these multi-million pound fights. I wish they'd all sod off. I'm bored witless with them. I'm so bored with boxers. I really am. So Conor... What's his face? McGregor, who's the one who isn't a boxer, but he made millions out of this fight. You might as well stick a powder puff in the ring, might you, really. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It was a freak show, wasn't it? It was absolutely... Free, but worth a lot of money. Shows how gullible sports fans are, isn't it, really? You're listening
0: to a podcast from LBC.
1: Nobody's got the word. Nobody's got the word. Now, either... I'm not... You're not being particularly receptive and I'm not being particularly gifted in sort of sending out the, uh, the word. But I've th- I'll think of it again. Here it comes. Because in theory... It should pop straight into your mind. You should see the word clearly in front of you. You shouldn't have to think about it. It's there, just there. And that's, how, that's how fast it should be. Uh, Steve, I'm so fed up, says CJ, with the incredible shrinking Cadbury products that I've decided to buy lint chocolate for Easter this year. <laughs> I like the uh, I like the lint bunnies with the little bell round their neck. They're, they're quite cute. I think they're quite cute. That's a, that's a nice gift to buy somebody, isn't it? We all like bunny rabbits. I don't you know I mean I, I saw the film Watership Down, I don't want to make a big deal about it, but you know, I quite like bunnies after that. Uh load of people even Paul in the US of A didn't get it right. It's interesting. Please give a thought, says Debbie. To those of us in the restaurant and hospitality business who don't have the luxury of bank holidays, I love my job helping to make other people's holidays and special occasions special, but it can be hard when you've got other family members still in bed when you go off to work. Well, spare a thought for radio presenters who are here as well. Throughout the ban- I'm here on the throughout the bank holiday. I should be here being, you know, being witty and chatty and nice about people, not everybody. I'm, as I say, if you'd seen the picture of Argy's body, I mean, you would be shouting, please cover up. Please cover up uh load of people guessing the word nobody's nobody's even close nobody's even close but its it's very interesting what some of you have come up with. some of you have obviously sort of thought that I'm thinking about a word which would be associated with me so but but it it doesn't work like that it's just it's the transference of the word it's you know sometimes you sit there on on the television well not on the television I'd be silly you'd fall off but I've done it before. You know they do the antiques programme and they go, so, so what do you think it's worth? I'm, I'm generally nine out of ten times accurate on those. Generally nine out of ten times I'll go £30. And they go, I think this is probably about £30. Pounds. I go, I'm psychic. Psychic Steve. It'd probably work for other be other radio stations listening into this as well, and going, that's a good idea, Psychic Steve. Or psychic whoever you want to be, depending on, you know, just drop your own name in there. It's much easier, isn't it, really? But uh, I like the idea because sometimes it does happen for me it 'll happen where i'll 'll be sitting at home thinking i've not spoken to so and so for a while, and then the phone rings, and it 's them, and you go, we will do the same thing that we? we go. I was just thinking about you, and that works quite well I'm having a look uh Lisa no um <laughs> no, 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 maybe it 's the distance, says paul in the in, in a place called Gray's Lake. Gray's Lake. Is that Illinois? Illinois. Sounds lovely, isn't it? Gray's Lake. I mean, I, I hate to ask the stupid question, but I'm British. Is it a lake? <laughs> or oh, did it used to be? Oh, Country Life. I was going to mention to Darren. There's a special feature on Iceland and buying property in Iceland and uh, and living over there, because I know he likes Iceland. Uh, the House of Windsor. There's a royal superfan, or as we prefer to call them around here, mad as a broomstick, uh, because she's filled her house with royal memorabilia. Now, people collect all sorts of things. Uh, also, the £9 million lottery winner. He's really pleased. You know why? He got rid of the wife a few weeks ago. <laughs> he got rid of her. They they broke up. He said, I bet she's feeling pretty sick now. He's just won £9 million. He apparently had to do something else and then he had enough money to go and do this one. Uh, also, uh, the drug row regiment will be at Harry's wedding. Oh, well, that'll be useful, won't it? Perhaps they can tell us where they buy the stuff. Uh, And Jack the Ripper is nailed. This is not the recent Jack the Ripper. This is not the one who's gone blind in prison. This is uh, the one who stalked Whitechapel all those years ago. And there's always been speculation over who he was. You know, there's various theories. Was he a doctor? Was he a member of the royal family? All sorts of things. It's like uh, earlier on, Darren was talking about John Warboys, the black cab rapist. And then I think somebody phoned up and said, you know, why would you call him the black cab rapist? And the answer is because he was a black cab driver. That's what he did for a living. And that's how he was so successful, because people get into black cabs. You know, if he'd been a bus driver, it wouldn't exactly have been the same kind of thing. But with a black cab, you know, he had all the, the stuff in there and people trust it. You trust that orange light. You do. I don't care what anybody says. You do. You go that personal. You know, sometimes you might disagree with the route they're taking. Could be all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, you would trust a black. And that's what they, these women did. Up to 100, so that's why they call him the Black Cab Rapist. There might be others out there. I don't know. I've got no idea. But it is is—it is slightly disturbing. Uh, Ray says, uh, I think LBC should call their building Steve Allen House. Gosh, you think so? I'm not sure, actually, it's Steve Allen House. I quite like a little plaque. You know, well, I eventually shuffle off, but at the moment I've got no intention of uh, shuffling off. It's amazing how many... It's very interesting. Your thought patterns on uh, on the word you you've you've come up with all sorts of uh, all sorts of words some of it are actually very clever but not me do you remember the easter egg sitting in a mug says jenny Do you know I do and i tell you what we used to get little easter eggs in an egg cup i don't know why because i never i never could stand eggs the idea of taking the top off an egg and doing eggy soldiers just <laughs> makes me feel physically ill now i just used to think that could have been a chick Seriously, I don't know why. I don't know why. I told you before, a friend of mine, Michael, he uh, he loves runny eggs. So, if ever we used to go out and have breakfast, he'd sort of cut into the. I'd have to look the other way. It just looked horrible to me. i oh, no, no, please. Eggs cooked on both sides. Eggs cooked on both sides. It's the only safe way. See, people think it Bentley, somebody's just said. No, no, no. It's not. I should be very. Do you know, if nobody gets that by the end of this programme, I should be so disappointed. It could ruin Easter for me. It could be one of those things that just, you know, you've think you destroyed my faith in human beings. I watched a programme on the telly last night, actually, which is very interesting. And it's Giles Corran and some lady. I don't know who she was, but she was uh, she was quite funny. They were in South Africa at a couple of hotels and they were looking at, at basically the the big divide and what's what's happening in South Africa. And I don't think it's a particularly safe place to go to I, out of personal choice. I wouldn't want to go there. But they had this hotel, which was so immaculate. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And I thought, that looks quite nice. Because I think South Africa's the place where they've got penguins on one of the beaches. I think it's South Africa, isn't it? Don't they have penguins on one of the beaches? <laughs> oh, I got that completely wrong. Sometimes you sit here and your mind wanders. And my mind wanders more than most other people. They have got penguins, haven't they? It's... Boulders Beach, that's it, in Cape Town. And you go there and people watch it because what they do is they always come in of an evening time and they waddle up the beach and they go (laughs) and find their little houses. And I thought that's quite nice because when when I've been to London... They're very smelly. uh, When I've been to London Zoo, uh, I I like watching penguins swimming and I think they're total exhibitionists. They know that we're watching them and they, they literally perform for you which obviously is quite funny. Something about them. I had one in the studio once, a real live penguin, a real, and a raccoon as well, which was which was gorgeous, but the penguin went to the toilet on the tabletop and then the raccoon followed followed suit. But it's African penguins at uh, Boulders Beach in Cape Town. It's worth seeing, isn't it? Because we're still fascinated. They had uh, it was a program on Heathrow Airport the other day and uh, and and one of it was the uh, the animal cargo side. And they had a cargo coming in. What was it? They were alpacas. They're quite headstrong, aren't they? They, they, they look a little bit like creatures out of Dr Doolittle. And I, I thought, oh, they're quite sweet, actually. I wouldn't mind one of those. And they, the, some of them sell for between five and 25,000. Um, and people want them for their fur. So they can sort of knit it and turn it into... Alpacas, whatever they, whatever they make, scarves or jumpers or something like that. But uh, there were so many of them. But one, once one's gone in, all the rest follow in behind. They were quite good. And I thought, that'd be nice. Perhaps I could buy some alpacas. But uh, having just found out that somebody's won £9 million on the lottery, I'm not so keen about the uh, the thing. Uh, the constable, not the constable who was responsible. Uh, this is a constable, the artist, which was lost for 200 years, has finally seen the light of day, and just sold for £375,000. Oh, don't you wish, don't you wish that somewhere in your family's murky past there's an old an old grandmother who, who owns a diamond mine somewhere, or a gold mine or something, anything at all, or failing that, you go round there and she's got all these old masters on the wall. She goes, oh, that's a Vermeer, uh, this is, you know, that, and that's a constable. And you think, oh... God, she has no idea. Uh, there's also the Iraqi gang held in Spain for smuggling just about everybody can think of into this country. It's obviously big business, isn't it? But at the moment, we've got about 600,000 people. They say we, we, we can't account for in this country. We don't know where they're, they're supposed to have gone home, but they think their visas have expired. They think that's how chaotic it is. They think their visas have expired and they've just vanished into the system. It's as, it's as simple as that. They just Because we don't have enough police. To do anything, um, <laughs> somebody says. I think. I think the word is hideous. <laughs> Such a good word, isn't it? We love. And uh, no, nobody's anywhere near. Um, somebody says. I defo got your transmission. Without a doubt, the word is rhubarb. <laughs> it's not. It's absolutely not rhubarb. I promise you. But it'll, it'll keep us going this morning till about seven o'clock. Uh, it's interesting. Uh there's it's very interesting the words that you come up with your, your 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 train of thought is very good it's just wrong you haven't you haven't got the word yet and uh, see Lynn bushy thinks it's fox no and magic has come up loads of times magic has come up loads of times but it's not magic either i begin to wonder whether you're not going to get this word <laughs> we're going to get to the end of the program i thought I was being really good with it because i saw the word written in the sky and and that's what I was transmitting, hoping that you will see exactly the same word written in front of you. But uh, so far, you've failed me, or well, failing that, you failed yourself. Uh, if we look at a couple of the uh, the papers this morning, uh, the victory is the uh, the rapist. The parole has been blocked for for Mr Warboys. They think it was. Well, they've actually said it could be up to a hundred people. They really don't. They really don't know. Not everybody comes forward. Uh, not everybody. Uh, wants to talk about it. For some, it would be just the most horrendous thing. But they say, you know, the, uh, the pol- parole board boss has quit, the justice chief clings on to the job, and one of the victims says, I can now get on with life. They don't want him out, and to be honest with you, I wouldn't want him out either. I couldn't care less what happens to him inside. I really couldn't care less. But there's quite a few of these sort of people. In fact, you know, so, so there's another three who are eligible for parole. One is uh, Kenneth Noy. The road rage fiend is likely to go before the parole board in the next 12 months. Vanessa George. Remember Vanessa George? This is the nursery paedophile from Plymouth, who's eligible for parole next year. And Colin Blanchard, the leader of George's vile child abuse gangs, up for release in 2020. That's just three walking back out uh, out amongst us. But uh, I think that was the best thing that they actually should have done. I mean, e- even the the judge's report said they should have asked more about his offences. Of course they should have done. How can you release someone? Well, even if it's it's 50 people or 25 people, even if it's one person, he should stay there for the rest of his life. He should rot in hell. We don't want him back out on the streets. Definitely not, thank you very much indeed. I say the best news we heard yesterday was that the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe has gone blind, which is fantastic. Which is fantastic. It's just that he's, he's still alive. And That, I think, is, uh, is a great shame. Uh, what else we got here? Steve, we used to paint, says Nora, a boiled egg, then go to the local park and roll it down the hill where it would crack. Well, actually, the, um, the Polish thing is to dye eggs all different colours. You have lots of Polish eggs at around Easter time, and they dye them different colours in sort of vegetable dyes and paint them and things like that, which is lovely. I love stuff like that. Uh, 84850, steve dot uh, Also, uh, Lisa wants to reunite with Ant. See, up, on, up until Easter, sorry, up until Lisa, you weren't that sure who it was. The moment you mention Ant, you now know who it is. It's the ex-wife. And, uh, and there was also an, a Coronation Street actor who committed suicide... Which was very sad. I I had to check who he was. I didn't know. This is Kevin Rowley. Uh, He was also in Hollyoaks. And, you know, he suffered from depression. Do you know what he found difficult? Turning 40. 40. He didn't didn't like it when he turned, I think, 30. And his 40th birthday was awful. He uh, suffocated himself at his home in Manchester. He left a suicide note that he was so depressed about turning 40. That was the one thing. I mean, you know, obviously some people deal with age. We all say the same thing, don't we? You know, they go, "Oh, how do you enjoy the ageing process? And you always go, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. I hate the ageing process. But he he hated it that much that he got seriously depressed about it because it's, you know, he just didn't see any end in sight. It was just ageing. Whereas I think it's just a number. I try and convince myself it's just a number. I know it probably isn't in many cases. But as I say, the Janet Street Porter the other day said that some days... She feels very young, and other days she feels fairly ancient. But, I mean, you know, for somebody who's 72, she's clinging on. Why not? I think as long as you enjoy life, and you you try and do as much as you can to sort of enjoy it, and, and it comes with a little group of friends, and it comes with your job, and it comes with all sorts of things. But uh, he, he found it too much to cope with. 30 was bad for him, so you can imagine the torturous uh, telltale number of 40 coming up was just... Too much. But remember, if, if you ever feel depressed, you know, and you need somebody to talk to, you can call the Samaritans 24 hours a day. The number is 116123. It's Totally free. And you'll find somebody who will just listen to you. You know, if you need somebody to talk it over with, you know, if you're getting to that stage where you just think, oh, God, I'm so fed up. You know, they they don't tell you how to live your life. They're just a sympathetic ear. And that's sometimes all that you might need or failing that, this programme tends to work quite well. So it's 116123.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. I'm still transmitting
1: this word. Still transmitting it to you. I can see it. Here it is. It's written. I'm doing it individually, letter by letter by letter. See it? If you think if you think you, you're getting the image of what it is that I'm thinking of, then uh, drop me a text. Uh, there's a postie. A postie here, uh, because a whole street has not had its mail delivered for six months because a postwoman was bitten by a dog. Uh, The cul-de-sac residents have been told they will not get post until Royal Mail know that the German Shepherd is no longer a danger. They're they're big dogs, German Shepherds. That's why the police use them. They're very lovely. Uh, Five-year-old Serge had got out of his house, jumped at the postie and bit her arm. Well, I mean, that's suitable, isn't it? I would have thought. So anyway, um, uh, its owner, Tom Groves, says it was a one-off incident. It's a bloody dangerous dog, mate. What are you on about? It jumped over and bit her. Good Lord. And uh, uh, the Royal Mail have not been in touch since, and homeowners don't know when the, the ban will end. Well, it goes on until they have a, an assurance that that dog is not a danger. You are kind of a dog that leaps over something and bites somebody. Ridiculous. Residents of the 22 houses in Guildford have to go to a sorting office two miles away to pick up their letters. Neighbour Carol says he's a lovely dog. It was one little accident. He bitter. He bitter. What do you mean one little accident? One little accident is one little accident too many. You know, the, these dogs, oh, blimey, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be, be delivering post any time soon. Surrey Police said the postie was treated in hospital and the owner dealt with by way of a community resolution. They've still got the dog, though, haven't they? I mean, if I was the... Po- they don't have to deliver to places like that. All our postmen are lovely. They're all absolutely lovely. Those who deliver the parcels, those who deliver, uh, you know, the letters and everything. They're really lovely. Nice people. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, the 600,000 on lapsed visas may still be in Britain. What do you mean may still be in Britain? Of course they're in Britain. Of course they're in Britain. And also, the, um, do you remember that sad story of the uh, of little Alfie, who they want to... Uh, turn off the machine and they've been through the court procedures and then they've taken it to the European Court of Human Rights and they've decided as well that uh, there's nothing you can do. They've actually taken the hospital's uh, sort of news on board that there is nothing that they can do. He's, he's brain damaged. They just need to let him die. But as I've said before, that has got to be the hardest decision. They don't take it lightly They really don't. The mother and father want to take little Alfie abroad to get treatment. And they've uh, said in the European Court of uh, Human Rights, no, they don't think that uh, you can give him... There's nothing that you can do that will make him better. He's just being kept alive by a machine. But it's one of those awful decisions. I mean, it it really is. It's the most difficult decision that you could ever think of, isn't it, really? You know, they have to say goodbye to their child and the hospital say that you know they do everything they can but there is no hope for him he is brain damaged he doesn't move he doesn't do anything whereas the family have said oh no he moves hospital have said no he doesn't he moves when they actually move him into another position but he's uh, he doesn't know anything that's going on about him nothing at all he doesn't sort of wake up and sort of go, oh, you know, here I am. It doesn't doesn't happen like that. I think it's the most awful decision anybody would have to make. But uh, European Court have now decided that there is nothing more that can be done. Which is terrible, isn't it, really? Uh, what have we got here? Uh, Steve, yes, Boulder Beach and the sea is freezing. How about your studio plaque, says uh, Nick, being SAS. SAS. Why would it be SAS? Oh, Steve Allen's studio. How daft am I? Uh, <laughs> Helen. No, wrong. And uh, Duncan's in Bilbao at the moment. Last night he said we had fried egg flavoured crisps. Oh, I'm not sure about that, actually. I don't know. They keep doing all these different flavours. I can't tell the difference. If somebody gave me a blind tasting of crisps, I promise you, you wouldn't know. what They all they taste the same. All I can do is smoky bacon, roast chicken, both taste the same. One I saw the other day was, what was it, crispy duck. It won't taste like crispy duck at all. It'll taste like roast chicken or smoky bacon. I don't like, I didn't like cheese and onion crisps, although I have been pushed to eat them on very, very odd occasions. And I won't eat anything that is advertised by a former footballer. I'm a bit like that, I'm afraid. And uh, somebody says, um, is the word geranium? No, no. And uh, cheating in sports, says Steve the Milton. Oh, we all did this one. He said, when I was younger, I dangled my conkers in vinegar. We used to bake them in the oven. We used to get our conkers and bake them in the oven. And you'd take them to school. But you're not allowed to take conkers to school now. Apparently, elf and safety again. And they say you can't do it because it's dangerous. Oh, what the heck. We seem to come through childhood. It's all these mamby pambies now, isn't it? They were doing a thing the other day, which I must, I must find actually for you, because it's very interesting, on racism in advertising. When, uh, was it Dove Soap? That they had something, and, it sort of, and the woman was turning white. The black woman was turning white, and then I think one of the, um, one of the uh, the betting office chains was doing something, and they had a picture of a of a black boxer, I think, and they said always bet on black. And you think there's somebody really stupid when they do some of these adverts, you know? They they sort of they they sometimes get it so wrong you can't actually believe it. I mean, there was one here. Chance the Rapper has labelled an advert for Heineken's low-calorie beer terribly racist, claiming that brands are purposely putting out noticeably racist ads so they can get more views. But is there any truth in it? I don't think so. I mean, uh, they've got... I mean, the the worst one was H&M, wasn't it? Which was a a little kiddie uh, wearing this top, which had, I think, coolest monkey in the jungle or something like that. But I think, but that's, people People explained it, and they said perhaps some people see racism where there isn't any at all. Um, and then they've got another one here. This is from uh, an advert which was banned for suggesting it was taboo to have an interracial relationship. No tobacco, no taboo, they say on the advert, and it's a black guy and, uh, and a white woman. And so I think since 2013 there have been Nearly 2,400 racism complaints over 956 different adverts. Of those 12 cases were formally investigated, 10 had the complaint upheld. That uh, they have the power. Yeah, this is it. Always bet on black. We've paid out early on a Mayweather victory because we checked and only one of them is a boxer. And so I've got a picture. I mean, it's bizarre, isn't it? Absolutely bizarre. Oh, that music means it's the news. Coming up. So here we go. Thursday morning, uh, because tomorrow, most of you, I'm assuming, will be uh, starting your Easter weekend. Today is Maundy, Thursday, 29th of March. Alfie's family grief as their final appeal fails. The twins, 23, both told they've got testicular cancer, and the drug row regiment will be at Harry's wedding. Oh, good.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thursday. A bit
1: throaty this morning, and uh, it's only because yesterday I was hanging around somebody who had a bit of a cold. And I thought afterwards, I thought, I've just realised I'm hanging around next to somebody who's got a cold. Does that mean that I'm going to get the cold? And I woke up this morning, and I was slightly throaty. Slightly throaty, so I actually quickly popped a tablet. And, uh, and, and I've sort of got a bit throaty, but it doesn't matter. It's Easter weekend, and we like Easter weekend. It's nice to have you company. I trust you are well... Uh, if you're off this weekend, God knows what you're going to do. I've got no idea what you're going to do. The weather's going to be a bit wet. Sorry, I'm a bit, <laughs> a bit puffed out. Um, and um, and you'll have to find something to do. It doesn't really matter, though, does it? It really doesn't matter. It's, it's, you just look at it as you've got four days' holiday, which is a bit sort of extra. It's like sort of tacked onto it. We seem to have loads of these holidays in this country. And there'll be fun fairs because it's the start of the showman season, Easter. And so, all over the place. In fact, if you go to the Showman's Guild website, uh, it'll probably give you a list of all the fun fairs. Your local press will also have a list of all the fun fairs which are operating in your area. A huge one down the road from me uh, at Hampton Court, not actually in the palace, but over the road. It's been operating for years. And uh, it really is an enormous fun fair. It really is. So um, so that would be where I shall be heading over this weekend because <laughs> I do, provided it's not raining. If it's raining, it just makes you feel miserable, doesn't it? But it doesn't matter. It's only water. It's only water. But actually, I'm getting my car polished today. So if it rains, I don't know what the forecast... Is the forecast rain today? Oh, God. You can't win, can you? It's like, you know, you, you pull into the car wash and it's tipping it down. And you look at it and they, <laughs> they all look at it as well and you go... I know. Well, just wash the dirt off. Just wash the dirt off. Uh, Right. Uh, Somebody says, age is a state of mind, so don't worry. What I do is take a year off when it's my birthday instead of adding one. I've done this ever since I uh, turned 40. Next March, I'll be 34. See, it works, says Paolo. I'm split between fish and flour for the word. No, neither. Neither. This is the word, if you've just joined us incidentally and you're sort of wondering why we're worried about a word, it's because I, yesterday we did the invisible pack of cards and tried to guess the card that I picked out and uh, we were quite close for a number of people, quite close. Uh, today it's a word, which I was thinking, of. we did this some years ago and it, it really was some years ago and I think of a word. And I transmit it, well, you know, as much as I can put it in my mind. And then hopefully you pick up on it being slightly psychic. There must be some psychic people out there. There's got to be by the law of averages. And then uh, you you try and guess what the word is. So here comes the word transmitted. So you have to, it, it, it'll, it should pop in immediately. OK, if it, if it doesn't, you're not on the same uh, wavelength. OK, ready? Here it comes. Now. Got it? There you go. So uh, once you think you've, you've got it, write, write it down and send it to me. I'm determined by the end of the programme somebody will have got this blimmin' thing right. Uh, did your mum ever make rag puddings, says Alan. I don't even know what a rag pudding is. What is a rag pudding? I have never even heard of a rag pudding. No, well, I don't think she did. No, we, we did. A rag pudding is a savoury dish with minced meat and onions wrapped in suet pastry, which is then cooked in a cheesecloth. It was invented in Oldham. Oh, here we go. It's in Oldham. It's a northern thing. It's the biggest rag pudding in the world. They'll probably eat that in Middlesbrough. I shouldn't that's It's a bit of a treat, eh? Uh, What what are we having today? Rag pudding. Oh, I can't believe it. Will it be cooked in the cheesecloth? Rag pudding predates ceramic basins and plastic boiling bags in cookery. Ah, right. So, yes, my mother used to do a steamed pudding, but it was a a steamed pudding. But we didn't have... um, a rag pudding. It sounds quite nice though, wrapped in suet pastry, then cooked in a cheesecloth. So, and presumably you then did it over water or something. Similar in composition. Oh, they go to a steak and kidney pudding. And you can get it, apparently, in traditional local butchers' shops in South East Lancashire. Hello, have you got a rag pudding? We certainly have. What size would you like, sir? I'll have the biggest rag pudding you've got. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? And then there's a picture of it, rag pudding. With chips and gravy. Ooh, sorry. that sounded quite promising. I'm <laughs> going for this one in a big way. You're have to talk to me about food about five minutes into the programme and I'm sort of sort of, ooh, get very excited, very excited about it. Uh, the UK border farce. Uh, they've lost about 600,000 migrants. They've got no idea where they are. Uh, they've got no idea whether they went home. That's how much of a chaos they're in. The Oxford girl, you remember who was too bright for jail? Has found love with an oligarch's son. I just I don't understand how you could ever say somebody's too bright for jail. Uh, the handshake, which if you see it in the papers, could signal that Kim is ready to give up the nukes. That's Kim Jong-un. Um, the constable, which was lost, has been found and they've sold it for £375,000. <gasps> if only it was me. And how did that teacher... He was a jihadi, jailed over the terror plot, get two council houses. Because he's a liar, that's what. He's a compulsive liar. He was fiddling benefits, claiming he was his wife's carer, but they didn't even live together. It was just made up, you know. He, he decided to exploit the system as much as possible, so they get the money back. It's only a year until Brexit. A poll says no to a second referendum. And uh, the send-off to Doddy the other day, they had lots of little kids dressed up as... Um, as the Diddy Men and everything else. I wasn't sure, actually. I was slightly uh, slightly mixed on that one, whether children should turn up to a funeral. I don't think they understand what funerals are. And they were sort of, we are the Diddy Men. And I thought, it was lovely, but, you know, poor, poor bloke's not, not with us anymore. Uh, the largest hiking council tax rise in 14 years, and fury at the school that makes the children beg for a toilet roll. They decide that they're not going to put them in the toilet. You have to ask. And you think to yourself, oh, because I have to be brutally honest with you. Years and years ago, when we didn't have very much money in our family, because dad was setting up a new business, um, we had toilet rolls rationed. And my mother would say to us, well, how many pieces of paper do you want? Yeah, Well, no idea. No idea how many pieces of paper. Well, apparently in this school, they ration you to two. Well, I don't think it's physically possible, is it, to uh, to just... Well, anyway, not the sort of thing you want to worry about at this time of the morning, I shouldn't uh, think. Uh, also, the prostate drug that's more effective after a full English. And the, um, the person who had an epileptic fit in a charity shop and uh, hit a bowl which subsequently broke has been told to pay for it. You'd think, they're getting quite mean in charity shops, aren't they? Do you Remember I told you I went into one in Twickenham. They had some... Glass in there. I think it was. There's a name for it. Red glass. Red, red. Let's call it red glass. And uh, and it was marked at twenty five quid. So I said, would you take twenty? And this woman with a very th- thick accent went, no. And I thought, what ever happened to charity shops? What ever happened to somebody's donated that to you? Surely you should be grateful for anything. And it's all got barcodes. They don't, and they don't want half the stuff you oh, normal all the rest of it. you th- I always think the people in charity shops are taking it as well. I think they they've they've got their first dibs on whatever comes in, but uh, I was quite miffed. I've never been to the charity shop since, seriously, I'm sorry, I've offered you twenty quid no you think it's a charity shop, dear, surely you're great for it. You know years ago you'd do the the jumble sale, the rummage sale, do you remember, and you could go ten p for this twenty p for this now they've got items in there marked at ten quid, twenty quid, thirty quid. We've had expensive shoes there. And you think, it's just, you know, I just... W-. Please, please don't write in with the best thing that you've ever bought in a charity shop. This is not local radio. OK, we don't do that kind of thing. What was your favourite colour? Anyway, so I changed my mind, changed my mind. OK, right, uh, Steve, so the rag puddings, no, but we did have... Th- I think the Christmas pudding was done in muslin, and that's all I can remember. But I'm, I might be wrong on that one. Uh, I'd rather have a Van Gogh on my wall than a boring constable. Uh, David Hockney would be good for the libido. All those glossy male bodies, says Jenny And Milton Keynes. You've obviously been around a little bit too much, haven't you? Milton Keynes has obviously deeply affected you. Deeply affected you. And uh, uh, somebody called Tim says, uh, I discovered your show the other night. Oh. He says, and I enjoy your, uh, your rambling so much that I've decided to tune in on a regular basis. Oh well, big day What do you want? To, some some sort of letter or something of acceptance. Honestly, where are you? Luckily, he hasn't told us where he is. Could be somewhere. You're not in Milton Keynes, are you? I'm not attracting crowds from Milton Keynes. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, will you be watching the Generation Game? No, I won't. I absolutely won't. They they, they filmed four, but they're only going to show two because apparently they're so bad. Because either you can do the Generation Game. And it doesn't need two presenters to do it. It was always you know Larry Grayson, Jim Davidson, and uh, Brucey who did it. They had their sidekicks, but you can't put two presenters on. Does not work. Does not work. Well, not for me either. Uh, eight for eight, five, oh, Steve at stevedlbc.co.uk. Peter London Cabby, no. Uh, oh, is that interesting? Two people come up with exactly the same word. Exactly the same word, but you're wrong. It isn't. Nobody's getting I'm really disappointed. Really disappointed. I'm quickly whizzing through as many of these as I... I love the idea that somebody's come up with supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> it's not uh is it a plant no it's definitely not uh steve elf and safety have gone mad a mate's kid up north has to wear protective goggles and marigolds when she's in a cookery lesson says mike i mean to be honest with you i mean i think we have gone mad absolutely mad you know it it just really steve the postie should be given a taser for protection i don't think you'll have to taser dogs I mean, to be honest with you, the the, the fa- I wouldn't have minded if the thing had jumped over and sort of wanted to be cuddled or something, but it bit this postwoman, a postwoman, please, on the arm. So she had to go to hospital because they'd be checking. I wouldn't, you know, you've seen the police dogs, haven't you? And this bloke goes, uh, oh, no, it's all right. You think, well, it's obviously not. It might be all right in your world, but frank- frankly, if I was slightly scared of dogs, and I, I could be slightly scared of dogs ever since years and years ago, Uh, We lived in Yorkshire, or somebody's got to, and uh, we lived in a little village, which was lovely, but next door to our house, which was built in the 1600s, was the hall, the village, not the village hall, but the hall. It was like a a mini Georgian mansion with grounds, and uh, the donkeys from the beach used to come up there in winter, and we'd go and feed them and try and get a ride, and of course donkeys know it's holiday, we're not doing rides or anything like that. And uh, it was fabulous. And uh, and there was always something to do in the country. You know, you, you you could actually get to the end of the day and it would start going dark and you'd go, oh, I've got to go home. And we would always play in the grounds. And this woman had an aviary uh, with all sorts of birds, budgies and everything. I mean, hundreds of the blooming things. But the one thing that she was famous for was pigeons. White pigeons, which she dyed. Different colours. Red, green, blue, pink, orange, violet. You name the colour... We had pigeons flying over, and they would, and and, and she also had peacocks, peahens, rabbits on an island, and all sorts of that. I mean, it was it was quite you know for kids, it was a great thing to do. But uh, she had a little dog, and I remember it just being a little dog, and I bent down to to stroke it, and it bit my ear. And ever since then, I've thought I'm not bending down to. talk. I'm too frightened to do it and it, it, I had to go to hospital, I had to go home and go mum, the dog bit my ear and so because she had to go to hospital to get a tetanus injection and, um, and ever since then I've had sort of a, a bit of a fear, I do like dogs, don't get me wrong I'm very good with dogs and things like that and cats and in fact 90% of animals don't do snakes we don't do snakes, newts, iguanas anything like that fish, quite like looking into an aquarium I'm not really brilliant with my and rats not really brilliant Actually, at Easter time, we used to have sugar mice. I don't know if you can still even get sugar mice, and they were—they looked like they came in pink and white, and they had a bit of string for a tail, and you, and it was just just sugar. Small wonder we ended up with no teeth at the age of about twelve. But uh, no, it so was when this dog bit me on the ear. My mum had to take me to hospital, which you know in those days, a bit of a trek actually, because it's not exactly the hospital on every corner. But when we went on to Google Earth a while ago, we found the end of our little road because it's it was on Google Earth, and I went, oh, my goodness me. You know when you have that that sort of thing about, I want to go back there, because I want to see how much it's changed. And I can understand elderly people, of which I am now one, uh, when you go back, oh, I remember when this was here and that was there. And in this particular little village, I should imagine, it's changed beyond belief. I would like to think that time had uh, passed it by and it was all there. Tim's in Sunderland. Ban him. We don't want anybody from Sunderland on this program. What's Sunderland famous for? Is it famous for anything? I can't think of a what? A
0: Nissan factory.
1: <laughs> That's it. Is it? No, definitely ban him. You're listening
0: to a podcast from LBC. Did you see? Did you see? come closer?
1: Did you? I don't want to shout. Did you see that thing on Made in Chelsea the other day? They had uh, one of the uh, one of the, the cast members. I say, it really, is, it's quite quite worrying. Called Frankie. She's in in the kitchen. And she's buzzing her friend in. Because a lot of modern buildings now have entry phones where you can open the front door and somebody can get in all the rest of it. But she obviously hasn't got an entry phone. So she pushed the light switch. And somebody said, have you just seen what she's done? She's talked to the light switch. And then she switched the light. That's <laughs> stupid, are they? It was it was well worth doing. There's a lovely little pic. Her, her name is um, Frankie Gaff. I think that was a big gaff. So uh, they say... Um, Either she tried to use a light switch to let her mate in, or we really don't understand how the other half live. So she lived up to her name. She let a pal in her flat. Well I say flat, it's very pokey. And um and so she let the person in, but she appeared to use the light switch. <laughs> I love things like that. I love when people spot things. That's always that's always very interesting in these uh, in these television programmes. Nine million pound lotto winner and I'm single. Oh, no, we won't be for very much longer. I love you. Do you know, you, you've seen lottery winners before. Do you remember there was the, uh, the poor lottery winner many, many years ago, and he won, I forget what it was. Anyway, he then meets this woman. She's, uh, her and her daughter systematically milked him for everything. He lost everything. It all went completely. Because, and then, and then they, they left. This one here only got rid of the wife a couple of weeks ago. They, uh, they split up. Uh, he's an unemployed dad. Nicely, if you're unemployed, you can afford her to buy a lottery ticket. Uh, He's a Leighton Orient fan. Oh, God, another handicap. Got a lot of handicaps, this one. But um, he landed the windfall on Saturday after moving out from the home he shared with with Julie West. So I I don't think they were married, actually. Uh, He said she must be gutted. Oh, I bet secretly you're rubbing your hands, aren't you? And they've got a picture of him. So he's unemployed. We don't know why he's unemployed. He looks well-fed. That's all I'll tell you. And, um, and they've got a picture of him. He's wearing his late Orient shirt. Lovely. There's going to be a history with this one, isn't there? I could just tell. There's going to be stories coming up. She, she's going to be selling stories about it. Uh, his uh, beloved club is in need of a boost, and he's now got nine million. He says uh, she must be gutted, but you never know. I might take her out for a meal. He may also invest in his club. Very unwise, <laughs> to be honest with you. Take take the advice of somebody who, who uh, you know, please, please don't. But uh, so here he is. He's a former Dagenham Ford plant worker. But uh, so now he's single. But as I say, not for long, not for long. Uh, he says, uh, when asked by the mirror if she was happy for him, she sighed and said, I suppose so. You know, that's how enthusiastic their relationship must have been. But he only bought the winning lucky dip ticket because he was on such a high after seeing his beloved team win 3-0 on Saturday against Woking. Woking? Woking's got a team. Good Lord above. Honestly, I never knew. Uh, Orient CEO Danny Macklin was at the Camelot Press Co- I bet he was. I bet. We- uh, how much money do you want to put in the club? Um, I thought about 100,000. Oh, well, you could do better than that, lad. I'll tell you we give you your own box. How much are you going to give us now? And so it goes on. But, uh, interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. So, unemployed, but can afford to buy a lucky dip ticket. I mean, I'm, I'm, oh, I'll give up. there be people who are interested in that and people who are not interested. Uh, also, uh, what was the other? Oh, Alfie's family. This is a dreadfully sad story, isn't it, really? This is the parents of Alfie Evans... you know, just even the name sounds cute, doesn't it? Alfie Evans just sounds cute, whichever way you look at it. But judges at the European Court of Human Rights have rejected a bid from uh, his father Tom and Kate, his mother, to overturn the High Court ruling that their son should be allowed to die. He claimed his son has been failed disgracefully. Unfortunately, I think he's just talking, really, you know, because he's angry. But he hasn't been fed. He's been given the best possible treatment. What do you think people do? They go into hospital and they deliberately go out of their way to, to sort of, you know, to not give people the, the treatment. I mean, Alfie uh, suffers from this uh, degenerative brain condition. and medics say he'll never recover. But of course, father and mother think differently. They think he can. That uh, They wanted to go abroad for treatment. Doctors will now discuss the implications of last night's decision with them. But I think he's already shouted at them. I think he's done everything really. He just seems a bit ungrateful what they've done so far. I mean, I should imagine it's probably costing a serious amount of money to look after this uh, child who doesn't move or do anything at all. He's only 22 months old. It's terribly, terribly sad, but you have to kind of persuade parents to let go. They, ha- they don't have anywhere else to go now. There is nowhere else to go. So what happens, Lord alone knows. It's in the hands of, uh, of the Almighty. Uh, tears for souvenirs. People were singing happiness um, as uh, Ken Dodd's coffin came out of the church. So they said goodbye to him. I think that's nice. I think it's, we'd all like to think that people would sort of miss us when we, uh, when we go. Uh, the mother of missing Ben Needham has told of her hurt after the Met Police got more cash from Adeline McCann because... Uh, They've spent eleven million to probe the three year old's disappearance. Uh, South Yorkshire police have had 1.15 million in their search for Ben, who's missing you know, and you have to agree that she's been dealt a bad hand. You know, why should all the money go to Madeline McCann's parents in the hunt? They're nowhere near, they've got nothing at all. And yet Ben Needham, who who, who went a long, long time ago, Mum Kerry. Says uh, it hurts. She deserves to be found, but so does Ben. Yeah, and the other children. Why does one child get eleven million pounds? However mean it sounds, you know, it wasn't wasn't Ben Needham's mother's fault that you know that he just sort of disappeared on a holiday aisle. and he gets one point five million. Madeline McCann, for some reason, gets eleven. I can't work it out either. I'm sure you must have a, an idea. Uh, a secret childhood trauma uh, in. George's uh, former life formed his creativity and his suicidal drug use. Uh, George Michael, th- I'll tell you who's talking here, his former manager, Simon Napier-Bell, who believes that the singer was using drugs semi-suicidally um, because he, he did enjoy, we know that he enjoyed smoking his uh, splits and all the rest of it. And um, if anybody would know what George was like, although unless you actually climb inside somebody's head, you've got no idea, have you? But Simon Napier-Bell would know... All about this. It's, it's, there is a documentary, which is coming out actually, uh, called, uh, oh no, it's it's out now, it's on DVD, it's called Gone Too Soon. It is, isn't it? I mean, I think, you know, when you read about people who actually go, you think, oh, too soon. We all say that, don't we? If it's somebody young, we go, too soon. I think any time is too soon. It doesn't matter whether you're an old person you know, some some elderly people, you know, could be listening to this programme, and they're very sprightly. I know a number of very sprightly people. You know, sometimes we moan and we creak and we do all sorts of things, but you, you kind of get through, don't you? But there must be people who are probably pretty fed up, probably hate Easter. I used to hate it when, uh, years ago, they, they did the um, opening on Sunday, and there was a barrage, a barrage from a group called Keep Sunday Special, which said that Sunday should be for going to church and all the rest of it. But, of course, as they're closing more churches on an almost hourly basis, that was a ridiculous scenario. And I, I put forward the theory, wasn't particularly popular at the time, that what about all the elderly people who, who want to go out on a Sunday and have a wander around shops and things like that? Why would you have to, and, and they were going, oh, no, Sunday should be special for the family. What happens if you haven't got any family? So I had to go out there and find a family. They were so selfish, this group. So so luckily, now Sunday shopping is incorporated. To be honest with you, I still think it's ludicrous that you have to wait till 11 o'clock in some places because of the size of the floor space and all this kind of rubbish. You know, so they go, oh, you can browse. Who wants to browse? I can remember going to Selfridges on a few occasions and you forget, if the shop's open, you think, I can buy things. No, the tills are locked and they only open at, I think, 11 or whatever it happened to be. And I remember thinking, what's the point? So it's now 10 o'clock. So we're wondering, around, so we've got an hour to kill. What is the point of that? I think they should just be open like they are in America. You know, you open them, you know, for seven days a week. If people, do, they, they, were, they were complaining that the, the shop staff didn't want to work it. Well, don't work it. They'll find loads of people who do want to work. Go in any department store, including Selfridges, on a Sunday. They'll be overrun with staff. Mainly around the um, sort of the makeup counters and things like that. You know, there's more people there. Go to, go to any department store, you know, and you'll find loads and loads of people. Because some people want to work Sunday. Because they might be sort of younger people. Uh, Steve, modern charity shops are tax-free businesses. Run off the back of a good cause. Well, people like giving. It's, it's people's way of giving, isn't it? I like the idea that people, you know, get something in return for giving. Difficult. I mean, they did the Marie Curie people the other day. And I'd just come out of a shop and I had a, I had a £5 note. And I thought, I'm going to give it to them with somebody dressed up all in yellow. And I thought, no, I'm going to give it to Marie Curie. I would give it to quite a few people. Macmillan, anything like that. Because I think, you know, if we all gave a pound or two pounds, or whatever you can afford, it goes some way. And we're very generous in this country. That's why I like the poppy appeals. We give, and still people thieve. Still people thieve the money from, from poppy appeals. I find that disgusting. I really do. Seriously, I'm just the only thing that... Well, one of many
0: things, actually, at the moment, that kind of annoy me. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Just had a quick look at Kim Jong-un's train, the one that took him to Beijing. And um, it's got wooden floors inside. It goes very slowly, very, very slowly, 37 miles an hour. The reason being it's bulletproof and uh, it, it, it can't carry the weight. And we think it's the same one that his, uh, his father travelled in during his 2000 visit to the capital. And so he's allowed people to take pictures inside. It's very dull, very bland. But um, it, it's interesting. Well, at least he went... At least he went and he smiled, you know. What do they call him? They call him Fatty Fat Fat or something. There's a there's a, there's a name for him, I think, which I think the uh, the Chinese call him. But uh, So he's sort of got these, you know, people there. But it, it goes so slowly. Mind you, bad news today, bad news today. You can imagine just how desperately sad he must be now. Now he's got nothing to watch. Julian Assange has lost his internet. At the Ecuadorian embassy, can they do that? Can they just? I mean, I, well, I understand they can, but there must be other internet ports, and there must be other computers <coughs> at the at the. What do, what do you think the Ecuadorians? I mean, do they have computers? I don't know. They have beads or something. I don't know. I just. Oh right, yeah. Oh right. Because, I mean, he's going to be at that embassy within days, isn't he, now? I should imagine. He's been spending hours and hours in front of the computer. And now, if they're going to take that away from him, it's obviously never... Are they forcing him out? I mean, they'd quite like him to go. I mean, why don't we just bring the SAS in? They managed to get rid of those people in the, uh, in the embassy. Why can't we get rid of this one in the embassy as well? Unless the Ecuadorians really want him there. But, I mean, he's been there for such a long time now. He smells. Yeah, we heard he smells because he doesn't seem to have regular showers, which is not particularly good, is it? I mean, he's got nothing else to do all day. It must be really boring. It must be really boring. You know, occasionally he sort of pops out to sort of say something or not say something. And we'll go yawn, you know. I mean, I mean, the day does come out, frankly, and I don't know. Twins Ryan and Sean Collard are in the paper today. The reason they're in the paper is that they were both diagnosed with testicular cancer within days of each other at the age of 23. But while Sean has been treated with no long-term effect, thanks to early diagnosis, Ryan is now undergoing stem cell treatment after the aggressive illness spread to his stomach and lungs. Good God, I'd have no idea that testicular cancer did that. No idea. Ryan says people need to be aware it's a young person's disease. The signs are not always obvious. I'm an example of why... You have to think about it. And Sean said, if it wasn't for Ryan, I'd have put off the checkups, and I'd be in the same boat. You don't expect this in the prime of life. Good Lord. He started feeling lethargic. I'm assuming that's sort of one of the the symptoms. Last summer, around six weeks ago, before he was diagnosed, he's uh, sporty, newly qualified teacher, began blacking out and suffered agonising back pain as he began his summer break from school. His mum said he would go numb, he'd collapse and he'd be out cold, for ten minutes. Good grief, honestly. That's terrible, isn't it? Absolutely terrible. It is that they're, they're, they're just trying to make people more aware of, uh, and especially men, because men are the world's worst. They will not check themselves. They will not go to the doctors because they're frightened. They're basically, you ask the majority of men, frightened. It's like, you know, you say, would you like to go for a prostate test? Oh, I shouldn't think so. Whereas it's a blood test. It's as simple as that. But uh, what, what, what he's actually got is an aggressive tumour. And uh, and people get ill with it, and it's spread. I mean, it is odd, isn't it? When you look at, I mean, you know, I never thought I'd be having a collection of illnesses and burns by this age, you know. To, but I've just come to the conclusion I'm accident prone. I'm I'm definitely accident. Prone. I can fall over it. I could fall over a marble seriously and crack my head open. I'm terrible. Every every day is is a is a delight if I manage to get through the day without falling over or doing something. I got in the car the other day and I, my my leg went numb. Not uh, It was my car before it went into the garage. And uh, and I have to try and sit in it because my car's a bit lower than most. And and I tried to get my leg in. And, I thought, and then, you know, you get cramp. You go, huh, uh, like that. Dreadful it was. Dreadful. Uh, no kidding. What we miss about childhood. Please don't write in with your thoughts of what you miss about childhood. I'm not interested. Uh, the 50 best things about being a kid. Please don't write in. Please, we're still trying to transmit a word to you. Uh, some of them, I mean, the 50 best things about being a kid. Macaroni cheese. Pfft, I don't think so. Thank you very much indeed. Night Rider. Pfft, that was a good thing about being a kid. Well, I don't know. It might have been, actually. Might have been. Um, Nintendo 64. S- sort of early computer, I suppose. Space hoppers. Live and kicking. Going bowling. Going bowling? What years are they talking about? Playing stick in the mud. What stick in the mud? I've never even heard of stick in the mud. I've heard of poo sticks, but stick in the mud—a a game. Is that where you sort of push one of your friends into the into the into the mud or something? I don't know. Never heard of it. Stick in the mud. It's obviously a very popular game. Here we go. Stick in the mud, and it's it's oh oh it's have a little fun sometimes and don't be a stick in the mud. That doesn't make any sense, I thought it was some sort of game or something that you played where you sort of took the littlest person in your class and you took them out into a mud patch and just stuck them in the middle and then left them there. Could be, couldn't it? I don't know. And so, oh, here we go. Stick in the mud is a classic game. It's a great pulse raiser for any age. Well, I've never played it. Two people are on. That is depending on the size of the class. Uh, My example is for a class of 15 to 23 students. They have to chase the people that are not on and tag them. When they tag them? Lord, it becomes quite interesting, doesn't it? When they've tagged another student who is not on, that person is stuck in the mud. They stand with their legs and arms out and they can't move. Oh, back to Towie again, aren't we, really? The only way to release them is if another person who's not stuck goes under the student that's stuck to free them. Goes under the... St- what going for? Goes under the student. They can then go through the person's legs. Going back to Towie. They continue for about five to ten minutes or until everybody is stuck. To increase the difficulty level, use more catchers. God, how boring. You can you imagine going around to somebody's house and they go, we're going to play stick in the mud. You go, gee, I think I'll go home and stick my fingers in my ears. And we just played it, didn't we? You're it. Although, actually, the one, the one game that we played at school, um, which was very popular, when it was raining, they went, uh, it's raining. And we go, yeah, we're not blind. And, uh, you know, we can see out the windows. Uh, was pirates, where you'd bring out all the equipment in the gym, the ropes and everything else, and you had to leap from... It was a good bit of exercise, and somebody would be it. And then you'd have sort of other people chasing you, and you could sort of, you know, there'd be a safe mat. But then you'd get to get off the safe mat to try and get up a rope or something like that. I quite like that, actually. I was very good at that. I just screamed my way round the whole thing. It was much easier. Uh, The troops with special connection to the royal play a key role on his wedding day, Harry's Heroes, as we call it round uh, round Windsor Way. I mean, to be honest with you, it's a bit bizarre, isn't it? Harry's Heroes. We're not going to go down that silly route, are we? The royal who served with the army for ten years. Was it really? Was it really? Was that full-time ten years away out of the country? No, it wasn't. But, um... He's, he's going to have 250 members of the regiment. Those who aren't being questioned by the police, I should imagine. Very odd, isn't it? Household cavalry troops will form a staircase party. What's that? A staircase party? They're not going to give them the bumps, are they, for goodness sake? We don't want that, do we? Others will line the streets afterwards when the newlyweds wave to the crowds. God, I hope there are crowds. going to look very silly, aren't they, if they sit there waving to nobody? But apparently personnel from 1st Battalion Irish Guards, Royal Navy, Small Ships and Diving, Royal Marines, uh, 3 Regimental Army Air Corps, Royal Gurkhas and RAF Honington. And the band of the Irish Guards will provide the music. So nobody goes deaf during it. We've got a slight problem with sort of deafness, haven't we? Which is not so good. So uh, I wonder whether or not she will be there. This is a lady called Margaret Taylor. Tyler. And she is... The biggest royal superfan. Uh, she can't wait for old Henry and Rachel to get married. Together, she says they'll practically rule the world. She's as mad as a fruit bat, this one. Absolutely. And uh, she's she's got a house. Uh, she's also got four grown-up children. She spends all her time and money on her collection. It's a labour of love, she says. Uh, inspired by the Queen, she's mother of the world, as I say. Mad as a fruitcake. And uh, she's, this is her house. She's got a sentry box outside the front door. Oh, dear. She lives in North London. Oh, God. Why is it people... Oh, Mummy, well, you can barely move. It looks a bit like Anne Whittacombe, who turned up to that National Film Award thing the other day. That's the woman who used to be in politics, and now she's just a figure of fun. Uh, so she's 74, is Margaret. She's got life-size cutouts of the Queen. And there's a Diana room. And, uh, well, she just collects everything. She's got some weird and wonderful souvenirs. Because there must be loads of souvenirs. Loads of She's even got a Union Jack jacket and she's got Union flag bedding. Uh, She's very patriotic. In fact, she possibly might be the most patriotic person that we know. In fact, actually, having seen her, I think I've seen her at some of the events, she doesn't have real corgis. That would be silly. She's got cut-out corgis, which sit on the stairs, which is quite nice. And it's, um, she's obviously quite happy. Listen, if it's her hobby... Let her enjoy it, she seems. She's quite mad, of course. But uh, she's got pictures of everybody, which is lovely. Loads of... She's got a little model Prince George. This looks like a dusting nightmare. It looks like she could be dusting for, you know, from... It's like painting the fourth bridge. You get to the end of it, they've got to start all the way from the beginning. But she's happy. And she's got pictures of Harry. Sorry, Henry. And she can't wait for the wedding. So she will be the one down there wearing the Union Jack uh, jacket and uh, everything else. Of course, you realise that after she passes on, the kids will be flogging it so fast. <laughs> what do they want with it? That's the trouble now, isn't it? She's got a big mug collection and um, and it's nice. But people don't want that, do they? When, when you sort of inherit stuff, they go, well, it must be worth something. I don't know how much these things are worth, but uh, I suspect she must have thought of it. She needs to will it to a museum or something like that. Then, you know... Because the kids are not going to do anything with it, are they? Uh, Eddie says, so agree with you about Sunday shopping. Here in deeply Catholic Malta, there are no such restrictions. And my local, uh, is it called Carfor Supermarket? It's open 7-7. Seven, seven. So refreshing. Lovely morning here, he says. Clear skies, sunny and mild. That's what we're hoping for. Uh, charity shop worker, says Ian, with the twins, do have first dibs. My mum's neighbour works in a charity shop and comes home with loads of uh, gear, a van load. And then every Sunday sells it at boot fairs. Oh, don't say that. It makes me think that they're not honest people who work there. <sighs> I know people pinch from charity shops. Mind you, probably people who work in charity shops. But you're right, they do get first first dibs. Somebody comes and goes, oh, I'll put that to one side. I mean, I, I would think that would but Would that not be normal? Uh, Steve, I won €8.30 on the lottery yesterday. I've decided to stay with the wife, says Steve in Hamburg.
0: I think possibly one of your better decisions. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Only Thursday, tomorrow, uh, well, today's Maundy Thursday, traditionally the giving of the money, which the Queen will probably do later, unless she's assigned it to somebody else. And uh, then tomorrow, it's holiday. Well, for many of you, for lots of people, it won't be holiday because you'll be working the weekend and the, uh, and the Easter holiday. But it doesn't matter, does it? It really, I think days blend into, uh, into one another, actually, nowadays. Uh, Steve, my great uncle was the Guard of Honour at Queen Victoria's funeral. Not as good as yesterday. Because yesterday we had uh, one of the children of the person who played Little Bod in Carry On Screaming. And he's 83. We were very excited by that. Well, I thought that was, that was a classic yesterday. And uh, somebody says, is it true they've now taken the Easter off Easter eggs in the UK? My friend told me this. And I thought it was daft. Why would anybody have a problem with that? Surely it shouldn't be an issue to celebrate a religion that's historically linked to our country. The majority wouldn't have an issue with this. I think it goes back to the mamby-pamby... Uh, lot that you refer to often. What are your thoughts? I don't know. They they seem to. I think you'll find if you go to Cadbury's uh, site, it's got Easter there. You know, in, in in quite quite big letters. They're not sort of hiding the fact it's Easter. I think I think the the truth of the matter is, I think what we've forgotten is that it's a religious festival. That's what people have forgotten, and so people are complaining, saying, you know, where are all the crucifixes? Where are, no, all you see is little rabbits and ducks and things like that and Easter eggs but there's no mention of any any link to Christianity or any religion at all because it, it kind of doesn't sort of fit does it? I mean I don't know whether or not if you go to your local church they give Easter eggs. they always used to at our local church the kids would get a little Easter egg to go home with which when, when you're a little person that was quite a big deal. We thought that was quite a nice thing to do but whether or not it happens now I don't know but the, the, there appears to be no connection and I suppose if you were Christian you'd be a little bit fed up that you know this is our time but in fact it's not mentioned anywhere and you know because churches are not full because people don't go to churches as often as they used to mainly so if you go to churches now it is they are dwindling congregations they really are really really dwindling and so a lot of churches I'd love to live in a church I don't know why I sort of had a thing about one there was one came up for sale a while ago but unfortunately I didn't win 9 million pounds and that's how much it was and it was beautiful and they in in the crypt they'd actually put a swimming pool and it's in a lovely little village called Petersham, which is not too far from where Aunt MacPartlan had a bit, of a bit of an incident the other day. But uh, I always thought that must be quite nice. That must mean you're very spiritual if you want to go and live in a church. Although actually I'm equally at home living by water. I'd quite like to sit there with a big window seat looking out to sea or something like that. Still thinking of that word, you know, still thinking of the word. So I'm not sure, actually, but no, Easter is still there. It might not say Easter egg on it, because we all know what Easter eggs are, but I don't know why we have Easter eggs. It's it's the rebirth, isn't it? It's, it's, you know, it's it's life. And it's the stone that rolled away from the tomb apparently looked like an Easter egg. Of course, if it had been, it wouldn't have left the tomb at all. It would just sat there eating the Easter egg. But I don't think they had Easter eggs in those times. I don't, you know, I can't remember when they first came along and who invented it. I remember seeing moulds for sale years and years ago so you could actually make your own Easter eggs. I thought that was a bit dull and boring, actually. But, you know, kids quite like doing it. And it's uh, it's a good thing. You probably find some very posh families listening who go, we always get the kids to make Easter eggs. You can make little ones and with praline in the middle or something. I don't know. But uh, it doesn't really bother me, actually. I'm not really a chocolate person. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Tony in Southsea says, I think Madeline McCann received more money because they're doctors and fa- fairly well off, whereas Ben Needham's family are working class. Totally unfair and not right. Yeah, she complained yesterday, and uh, I have to be honest, I'm I'm kind of with her on it. You know, Ben Needham, £1.15 Madeline McCann, £11 million. Pounds. And still nothing. Nothing at all. You know, if they'd spent so much money, perhaps they could have found out what happened to poor Ben Needham. There's been various uh, thoughts on it. But £11 million, pounds, I mean, it's, it's got to stop soon, hasn't it? Or does it? I don't know. I don't know if they keep finding money, where it comes from. All I do know is that when you go into police stations now, the particular department you want to talk to has been disbanded. We don't have enough police officers. We have people wandering about on the streets, making programmes for the television, but we don't actually have enough police officers to come and sort out a burglary or a crime or shoplifting. You know, whereas you would have thought they'd be, you know, way overstaffed. I think, no, I haven't got anybody. People leave, they get stressed and they uh, and they leave. So we don't have the police officers we should have. It's a shame, really, isn't it? I think so. Uh, 84850, steve at LBC.co.uk. Martin and Zully, normally from Essex. You don't need to say that to me. I can tell by the names. Martin and I can tell Essex straight away. Uh, they've been uh, listening from the Maldives. The time zone means we can tune into the whole show now. We had no idea you loved Katie Price and Gemma Collins so much. Oh, I've always said I could see Gemma Collins in something long and flowing. The Thames would be uh, the thing that (laughs) springs to mind, yes. And, of course, once you've seen Arge with his shirt off, you'll be sending sympathy cards left, right and centre. It's very embarrassing. Very, very... He's obviously just let himself go. He just obviously can't be bothered, which uh, which is fine. I'm baking hot cross buns. We were just talking about hot cross buns a minute ago because they're so fattening. They're very cheap, though, is it? It's cheaper to to buy them than it is to make the blooming things. Glorious smells wafting over me, your dulcet tones to inform and amuse. Coming over the airwaves, the bloke softly snoring in the other room. Squiggles the cat, turned up, eyeing me with one of her lesser of homicidal faces. Knowledge of her family time over the weekend. Sometimes life feels so... Perfect. It was good of you and really important to give out the Samaritan's number, as by the law of average, thousands listening will feel so down this Easter. I know people, are, you know, I don't think people ever understand. You could be in a room full of thousands of people and you could still be the loneliest person in the entire world. Look at Ant. You know, he goes off drinking and he does all sorts of things. You think, where are his friends? Where are the friends who can keep you on, you know, take you out for a meal or something like that? I mean, I have to suffer here with Paul Smith, so I have to take him out every so often for a meal. Today we're doing Five Guys. I've never done it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. What, what it's going to be like, I've got no idea. Somebody said to me it's a little bit expensive. I said, well, don't worry. I shall report back, definitely. Um, another one here says, uh, is the word gullible? No. Mikey Wolverhampton thought it was titanic. somebody says was the word Gemma Collins well that would be two words and it is only the one word Uh, anti-disestablishmentarianism thank you Tony no (laughs) you're definitely not on the same wavelength as me at all this morning and uh, Guinevere and Trelawney say we've thought of the word you're transmitting but can't face the prospect of you saying we've got it wrong so we're not going to tell you well there you go Uh, Steve I've just refused to buy any Easter eggs without the word Easter on it just on principle says uh, Debbie and I'm not even religious. I didn't know they ever actually had the word Easter on the Easter egg. Or does it, I don't know what it says. I can't remember. I know we, we, we've said you can find it on the thing, but does the actual egg say Easter on it? Or is it, sorry? Does the box say, I don't know, I can't remember. I, I never look at the box. You just look at the egg thinking I'll rip that packaging off in about two minutes and have the egg. But I, I'm not sure if they do say Easter egg where it has got a picture of daffodils and a crucifixion or something. I don't know, because I can't remember, because I don't go and buy these things anyway. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the TV weekend listings, ITV, BBC, Channel 4 and 5, there's a noticeable lack of the usual Easter movies, a distinct lack of Easter religious epics, and um, someone is watering down the Christian parts, says Andy. They just don't think it pulls an audience, do they? They really don't. It's like very rarely would you find... In fact, Easter used to be the time that you got Billy Smart's Circus on the television. It was never anything to do with, with religion. I always find it a little bit depressing. If you want to watch religious films, you better go and buy them on DVD and watch them yourself because you're not going to get them in the schedules. They just don't bother. They'd rather show you sort of Fast and Furious or Take Me Out. nor likey, nor lighty. That's as good as it gets. Easter is a pagan festival hijacked by the Christians, says Paddy, who's still suffering in Andover. I must say he gets more twisted by the day, poor soul. He says it celebrates fertility and was called Estrus, I believe. No, you're wrong with the word. Definitely. And uh, in Isleworth by St Margaret's, my wife is selling a converted church. Uh, That sounds quite a nice idea. I I think it's very spiritual. Don't you think it's spiritual? I do. Uh have you heard of uh champing? No. Apparently it's where you get to camp in a church for a night or two, says Patsy. Really? Well they just invite people in. Oh, apparently by by the retailers the products are called Easter eggs, but it doesn't say it on the box. You know, get your Easter eggs here, but unfortunately it doesn't say it on the box. I think it I think it should do, shouldn't it? Or well, perhaps you should have I don't know. Perhaps it's just little children going to church. Uh, Over this weekend, you will be given a little Easter egg by the the vicar. Don't touch it. Right, coming up very shortly, the news at uh, six o'clock. Do you know it's a year until Brexit? A poll says no to a second referendum. Uh, You've guessed it, the long weekend will be full of rain. Rain, rain, go away, please. Victims weep with joy as the black cab rapist released from prison is cancelled. Council tax, biggest rise in 14 years. The school, I'll tell you about in a moment, that makes children beg for toilet roll. Might as well start taking it in yourself. Uh, want to live on Britain's most exclusive beachfront? It's another stupid house for sale on Sandbanks. Uh, this one's uh, down near Bournemouth, and it's nine million quid.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Thursday, 29th of March, 2018. And it's four minutes past six. Or not, if you didn't bother doing the clocks. But it doesn't really matter, actually. Because you're going to be having a nice weekend, and it's going to absolutely tip it down, and uh, we're all going to get soaking wet. But it doesn't matter; it's only water. Makes no difference at all. Uh, we're trying to work out actually why, during the break, they were thinking, or they are, they have done it, taken away the internet from Julian Assange. We also can't work out, and I can't remember what the reason was that the Ecuadorian embassy took him in in the first place. They must be regretting that deeply, because presumably at some point he's going to go. We just don't know when. He's going to go. So uh, it's interesting. Although, actually, I know people who actually been into the Ecuadorian embassy. I, of course, haven't. And he's uh, and, and so, and from appear, but everybody said, oh, he smells. And you think perhaps they don't have showers in there. And yet they must have said so that they've taken away his Internet connection. I mean, how is Pamela Anderson going to communicate with him? Perhaps she'll have to sort of phone him or something like that. I don't know. Uh, Steve, if you like the idea of living near water, flats are now being built on the site of the pull-down Teddington Studios, says Simon. I know. Overlooking the weir, or as we prefer to call it, that's where they end up if they've jumped into the river, which has happened on more than one occasion. And uh, that was... I, I don't think I'd want to live on a site where Teddington Studios was. I thought it was sacrilege that they pulled the thing down in the first place. Every time they pull something down, what do they do? Put flats up. It drives me mad. It drives me mad. Front page of the uh, of the Daily Star today. A friend of mine uh, was drinking last night and uh, red wine and uh, and said that uh, I've woken up early. Two glasses of red wine, obviously not a proper drinker. You know, two glasses of red wine. Can you believe it? And that means you wake, you wake up early. <laughs> I can have four glasses of Prosecco and still sleep all the way through it. It's quite easy today. But it's going to rain, so we're going to get wet and it's going to be miserable. But I don't care. I really don't care. Nothing, nothing sort of wipes the smile off your face at this time of the morning. Well, a piece of fried bread probably could, actually, but I've never been lucky enough to get it. I must try our canteen here and see if they'd do me fried bread. Do you think they might do me fried... Oh, I don't know if they... would. Oh, would they not? Is it one of those that you can only have sausages, egg, mu- button mushrooms? I want fried bread. Don't ask for a lot in life. Uh, somebody says, uh, did you know that the cross on the hot cross bun was never a crucifix, but a stylized depiction of bull's horns, originally more like sort of um, an algebraic X, another fertility symbol. You're obsessed with fertility symbols this weekend, for goodness sake, stop it. Terrible. But apparently the word Easter does come from the Germanic goddess Istra, the same root as oestrogen. But it's just, I mean, you know, we eat hot cross buns, but I, I, I think for a lot of kids, they just go, oh, it's hot—it's a bun with currants in it, isn't it? You know, we used to have them toasted, or you can have that, but they're so fattening. They're very, very fattening. But, uh, and then somebody was making them earlier on, making hot cross buns. You know, to get kids to decorate Easter eggs is probably quite a good thing. But it, nobody, nobody thinks about the, the Christian value at all. People just think it's Easter egg time. You know, it's funfair time, which it is. So, you know, nevertheless. I mean I'm not saying we have to sort of worry about stuff like that. Uh Topshop billionaire girl is pregnant. This is the Daily Stars riveting head. I mean, we're gonna say this was yesterday. Yesterday we did it ages ago. Actually, just going back to Julian Assange uh, at the time that they took him in, Ecuador said it was to show that they really care about freedom of opinion and expression when everybody else was claiming they had a very poor human rights record. So they wanted to protect his right to criticise Americans' foreign policy. Now they're stuck with him. He could live there for the rest of his life, couldn't he? He could be carried out in a box or something. Unless they throw him out and go, listen, we've really had enough of you. The, the, the people won't go anywhere near his room. It smells. He doesn't you know, get his washing done or anything else. He doesn't go out shopping. So I'm assuming somebody's paying for him in there. No not on benefits, is he, by any chance? I don't, I, I, Ecuadorial benefits. It's very odd, isn't it, really? I mean, how much longer does he... He's been there for years. Coming up six years. I mean, how much longer are they going to hang on to him until somebody goes, oh, get rid of him, for goodness sake. Now he's got no internet, he's going to be like a bear with a sore head. Isn't he? You know, before then, he'd have been accessing all sorts of things on the internet. Now he can't do that. Because they've taken it away. You will have to go round there and see if anybody's got a spare... Spare sort of computer they can hook him into. But there again, you know, if he's if he's it depends what he's accessing, doesn't it? Really. But you can't sort of start accessing all sorts of strange things. He might be, I don't know, Pamela Anderson pictures or something like that. And uh, you can't have that because they'll get back and go through the history of it. You go, what are you watching? We're going, I'm Julian Assange. They go, we know who you are. We're stuck with you. We can't really... I mean, all they've got to do is open the door, push him out, shut the door. It's not difficult, is it? But I shouldn't imagine it be happening. Uh, the Daily Star also did yesterday's story, an amazing carry-on, because it's um, been quite a number of years. I mean, we did this story yesterday. Why are people so late doing them? Uh, they just are. We don't know why. Uh, also here, man is held in £200 million safe's heist. Is this the mysterious Basil that they were talking about? Somebody's been charged. So um, that's interesting. Oh, it's a nice picture. Who's this one here? It's somebody called Dua Lipa. Now, by a strange coincidence, I know who Dua Lipa is. Because they got an award at the Global Awards, see, I'm up to I'm up to speed with it. People think I don't know anything about music. I'm all there with Miss Bangles. I know all the all the hit groups and everything else like that. I know I know Kylie Minogue's record. I you know because she's everywhere. Every time you open up a newspaper, there's another picture of Kylie Minogue. She's done an interview with Attitude magazine because apparently Kylie Minogue has got loads of gay followers. Can't imagine why would why would gay men be remotely interested in somebody who is in. Neighbours, or Home and Away, or whatever it was. I can't remember what well, she was in. Neighbours, wasn't it? Why would gay men... Well, somebody explain the attraction there to me. I don't quite get it. But if you stick her on at Jeremy Joseph's G-A-Y, the place would be packed out to the rafters. Queens hanging from every, every particular place, screaming, Kylie, Kylie, we love you. And I'm thinking, what for? Shout it for Jason Donovan. That's the whole idea. Very odd, isn't it? But uh, I do like the new record. It's just a bit short. But it's, it's like line dancing kylie has got a new album out. Do you not know? Oh, why well, you should listen to the Steve Allen show on LBC. He'll tell you all the latest things. Seriously, I'm 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 very up to speed with my music. Mendelssohn's got a new hit album out, I think. What is it? Well, I've I've never mentioned it because I just I don't want people to think that I'm sort of so sort of in touch with my musical side. Well, if it works for Scarlett Moffat, it'll work for me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll be in trouble for that one. Uh, Stephen Belafonte has accused his ex-wife, Mel B, of poisoning her children's heads with lies. Um, I don't think you can trust either of them. She's quite foul-mouthed. Um, he's, I mean, they're just both a bit odd, aren't they? Both a bit odd. Uh, oh, sorry, just banged my head on the microphone. I'm trying to read something. There's a full set of panini stickers. Do you, have you ever... Um, people collect stickers now. When I was a child, we didn't have anything. It was Bazooka Joe for me. But um, they've got this... Um, It's Russia 2018, and a full set of stickers for the World Cup will cost you... Wait a minute, because you you buy a packet of five stickers, and then you sort of stick, and then some are duplicates and all the rest of it. It's gone from 50 pence to 80 pence since Euro 2016, which actually doesn't bother me that much, really. But a maths expert has worked out fans would need to buy 4,832 stickers, or 967 packets, on average to complete the set. So if someone bought 137 packets and never got the same sticker twice, the cost would be 109 pounds, but in fact the true cost is 773 pounds. It's like every Christmas, New Year, they always say, "Oh, build, you know, the Mary Rose," and they go, "Oh, build the Ark Royal or something like that. Build yourself your first, you know, flying wardrobe or something." And um and they say, and, and and you work out how much it's going to cost you. In the end, they just disband the magazines and say, if you want to buy the rest of it, it's another. And it works out to be serious money. The producer who follows football says, I nearly filmed, uh, nearly filled a Premier League 1997 sticker album. Never bothered since. I know. You just, it's like years ago, we used to collect um, cigarette cards uh, and also used to get cards in pg tips i think and you'd, you'd sort of down the down the side there'd be a card. and you go i never knew what we we're supposed to do with it we used to collect confederate money it came with bubble gum and you'd get two halves and you could stick it together it was fabulous we love confederate money i've never met anybody who's ever heard of it i'm the only one who's ever heard of this confederate money i'm still thinking of this word by the way it's not happening is it this morning uh, the football fan uh, feared win was a scam well you would if you're unemployed wouldn't you and he just ditched the wife. Well, she's not the wife. She was the, the girlfriend. And the mum's in a stink at a toilet ban. Furious parents have accused a school of humiliating children by banning loo roll from the toilets. More than 400 pupils must put up their hand for permission to take a few sheets if they need to go. One boy was left in tears. After a... a t- I can't even tell you this. Well, it just, anyway, the teacher demanded to know if he really needed to go to the toilet. What is the matter with this place? This is, I mean, it's just ridiculous. This, this primary school is in Dudley in the West Midlands. They've got 430 pupils between 5 and 11. Is rated as good. I asked him. not now. You've got to ask for the toilet paper. Not so, Oh, look, a picture of David Beckham with people who've got no idea who he is. They go, it's David Beckham again. You think, is that just what he does? He just poses for pictures. They just, oh, who, is who is he? It's David Beckham. What's he do? Well, he used to play football a long, long time ago. Now he just models pants and talks about whiskey. Which is a bit of of a worry, isn't it? Uh, Kate to tip off Meg on fashion. Princess Kate has offered royal fashion advice to Meghan Markle. You can imagine Meghan Markle taking that, can't you? I'm sorry, love. I'm an actress. I know all about fashion. Why is it they think she's an idiot? She knows probably more about fashion than Kate does. Uh, Also, skint families are cutting their own hair and refusing to flush the loo to save water. Apparently, people are sort of cutting their own hair. Who cuts their own hair? I mean, it's cheap. I don't know how much it costs where you are, but round my way, you can get a cut for a, for a man for about nine quid. In fact, if you go a bit further down the road, Hounslow, you can get it between three and five pounds. It's that cheap. It only takes them like two minutes. I mean, mine. All right. So they make a lot of noise with scissors and stuff like that. They don't actually cut the hair, but I, I feel good at the end of it. I think, you know, cash has cut my hair nicely and I walk out there feeling a bit better about life. In fact, I might even go and have a haircut uh, today because everything's going to be closed tomorrow. I'll warn you now, everything's going to be closed apart from the good old corner shops, which is good news.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC. It's
1: very interesting. I was thinking a short while ago, the the police have still got no nearer finding out uh, where this drug came from. They now think it was their front door. So currently in hospital, his father and daughter. Now, as far as I know... They're they're in an induced state at the moment. They don't seem to have come round at all. But a close friend of the former spy, who was poisoned along with his daughter in Salisbury, says the pair are so ill they should be allowed to die. This is Sergei and uh, Yuli Skripal, remain in a critical condition. Ross Cassidy, who met Sergei when he moved in next door in uh, 2010, says their quality of life will be poor. Quite frankly, what future have they got? We've already been told that they'll be severely mentally impaired, and uh, I don't think they'd want that. And quite frankly, I think death would
0: probably be merciful.
1: Dreadful thing to say, isn't it? Really, because um, so in other words, they're obviously not awake. They're obviously in this critical condition, but I don't know what we don't know what happens to them. How long do they stay like that? Does, has this drug taken complete effects, or is uh, or is there more to come? We shall never know. Uh, I'm a born-again Christian, says Grace, and I love Easter messages in the Bible. I don't buy an Easter egg unless it's written Easter on the box. That's the the hard push to find those ones, I'm telling you. I don't buy anything from Cadbury's. Shame on Cadbury's. Well, it's it's an American company, isn't it? So that's all we have. Uh, A friend of mine's guessing the word this morning. I keep transmitting this word. It's obviously having no effect. He's actually come up with Greg's. (laughs) Sausage roll or something like that. Uh, Steve, Aldi do eggs with Easter on them. But I look forward to spending my Easter weekend mornings with your good self. And if you want to, cover an egg with red onion with elastic bands, skin and boil it for half an hour, let it cool down, remove the skin and you get a wonderful marble effect. Well, that sounds quite nice. That's quite a nice idea. All this talk about Easter's got me worried, says Simon. The Easter bunny is real? Um, of course. Why would you ever doubt it? Actually, I don't even know what the Easter bunny is. Is it the person who is the stig? On that program, is it, is it a, you get people going around dressed up as the Easter bunny it 's all very strange isn 't it I don't, I don't know why actually I, 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 is Easter Bunny because I think the Americans do the Easter Bunny a bit more than we do um and keith says you 're not the only one. I had Confederate money, I thought it was fantastic, never seen anything like it no i don't know why they don 't bring it back again. It was wonderful you got ones, fives, tens, twenties, fifteen, i think a hundred dollar bills, How so beautifully done, and it came uh, with bubble gum, a flat piece of bubble gum with it. In the days when, you know, people, you'd all you get on the, now, you get p- kids on the bus, you know, sort of eating sweets and lollipops, but in the early days, you didn't get that at all. You got people with, you know, a big piece of pink bubble gum, blowing bubbles, and then you'd do uh, and then it would pop and you'd get it all over your face. People, you don't seem to buy that anymore now, do you? Uh, Nora says, I remember confederate money and the PG tips cards. Is the word moon? No. Somebody did fill the PG Tips space card book, which is uh, which is good. And uh, uh, Paolio, uh says, uh, even in the 80s, Kylie uh, has been a gay icon. This is Kylie Minogue, incidentally. My friend who'd been gay all his life said in 1989 he'd give his gay life up for her and she turned him on in every which way. Oh, my Lord, above him Well, he obviously wasn't gay then, was he? He can't have been. I mean, you can't all of a sudden... I uh, need to contact Lucy Beresford for that. I can't deal with things like that at this time of the morning. It's about people having their breakfast. Can't do that. But uh, she had this cute sweetie thing going on, and and he liked her bottom. Apparently, it's the most touched thing in Madame Two Swords, Calimog's bottom, for some uh, <laughs> for some inexplicable reason. People people like things like that, don't they? Uh, so uh, so thank you. But. Um, but uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Very interesting when sort of people, you know, they have this fixation. I, I couldn't quite work out what it was, you know. I'm spinning around. I didn't, I didn't get it. I wasn't even particularly bothered when she was in Neighbours. And then she went out with sort of Jason Donovan, and we quite liked that idea. That was sort of, that was sort of a fun thing, wasn't it? And um, and then the rest, as they say, is history especially for me. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. I'll go through the uh, front pages of the uh, papers just after the, uh, the news. Apparently I can't in theory send kinder eggs to my nieces in America because they'll be seized as they're banned there, partly by the choking hazard posed by the toys inside and partly because of the domestic danger possibly posed by a non-nutritive object being enclosed by food. Yes. Can't they buy kinder eggs in America? They must be able to buy them. Are they really not. Really? How interesting. You can buy guns, but you can't have a kinder egg. Well, there you go. That'll be the kinder surprise. What's inside? It's a miniature gun. How fantastic. I never actually had a kinder egg. I always think, you know, it must be pretty poor chocolate if there's a gift inside there that you put together. And I was never in favour of doing things like that at all. Never in favour. And uh, uh, somebody says here, I had two bottles of white wine last night and, and slept in. Sounds delightful. Uh, If Five Guys doesn't do it, if you try Honest Burger in Soho next time. uh, It's hi to Dizzy in Mallorca, who's an avid listener and got me listening, says Rihanna. So that's nice, isn't it? And uh, off to Joe Allen's tonight, says Luciana, uh, for dinner. Can't wait. Actually, I've not been for a little while. I've been a bit... uh, Because I've I've been so busy doing little bits and uh, pieces. Uh, Steve uh, used to get uh, texts for a, a couple of... Lokes informing you where they were delivering beds, but you won't anymore because the firm's gone bust," says Ian. Oh, it's always well. You all right, Poppet? Nice to see you. you. Look good. I thought about you the other day, actually. I did. I was thinking we haven't, we haven't, you know, chatted for ages and ages. Sorry, you know. He was just saying the same thing. I literally, I walked past said We go out because we're just so busy, or I've got things to do and. Your microphone light's always on, so we don't get a chance, you know, to do the 20-minute monologues, you know. You want to be like this programme, mate, five minutes straight into the disc. Kylie Minogue spinning around, happening now at you. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, tight and bright. That's what I've been told about it. I've been told. You've heard Scarlett Moffat's in the building on Easter Monday. I'm just telling you now, you know, just in case. Oh, you're not? Is everybody off at Easter? Because I've noticed Nick Ferrari's off tomorrow. My... Is everybody apart from me off? Oh, here we go. That's my fault, isn't it? Because Nick Ferrari's off... Uh and so he's off Friday and Monday, and James O'Brien is off, I'm not sure if he's off tomorrow, actually, I'll just ch- I'll ch- ch- check on that one, but, uh and he's off next week, so Majid is, is covering for him, and you're off as well, he's off, but I don't, actually, I want to be here, I want to be among my people, have you seen the new lanyards, look at these, Woo! very posh, very posh, I love a new- you have to wear one. No, you have to wear one. It says so. It says so. Look, no, it's on elastic as well. I love it. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm all into gadgets at the moment. I'm all into gadgets, but I haven't bought a gadget, but I just want the car back. I don't want anything else apart from my car back. I fell in a pothole, apparently, and damaged the wheel. God knows what that's going to cost. I don't even want to think about it. Just to ruin my Easter, that means less rides at the Fun Fair, you know. Normally, I'd, I'd have a go at the Coconut shy. But uh, then I decided it's cheaper to go and buy a coconut. Just go buy a coconut. They're only like 50p to a pound. And if you throw throwing throwing your balls at some, it's not really not that exciting. It's exciting for other people if you sort of have to pay for the privilege. Uh, Choccy and buns can spark an attack of asthma. If you're one of these people, see, I'm not particularly bothered about Easter eggs, and I'm not bothered about uh, buns. I did buy some buns the other day because they had apple and cinnamon, and it made me feel as I was being a bit Christmassy. Apple and cinnamon, and they're in like two quid a packet, or is it two packets for two quid? Whatever it is, you can't make the things. It's so much cheaper. Uh, anyway, asthma sufferers could trigger a deadly attack by eating the treats. They said Easter eggs or hot cross buns often spark food allergies and wheezing fits. Wheezing—I've been had a wheezing fit for ages. Uh, apparently, outdoor egg hunts also expose them to cold and pollen, so you mustn't uh, you mustn't do these things. Go, you've got to go. I don't care, do you? I don't care, no, honestly. So reckless. But uh, one one particular person has been in hospital ten times because tree pollen, of which she has a severe allergy to, comes out at Easter. Oh dear, honestly. That was like Dynamo in the papers the other day. Because of the uh, medication that he's on for his Crohn's, he's come out in this rash which is all over his face. He's put on a load of weight, which is terrible. Because the, but the worst thing is, his hands are so arthritic, he can't shuffle cards. And, that's, and he's a magician. Luckily, he must be absolutely filthy rich. That doesn't cover it, but it's, you know, for a magician not to be able to shuffle cards. I mean, admittedly, I'm rubbish at shuffling cards, but uh, but I'm not arthritic. Well, not as far as I know, I'm not arthritic. A friend of mine, my, my brother's got gout. Terrible gout. I mean, it sort of clears up, then it comes back, then it comes, then it disappears, then it comes. Oh God, it's a nightmare. Illnesses nowadays, I tell you, in my bathroom it looks like a small version of the chemist. It really does. I've got everything for, you know, for everything. The only thing I've not got, which I really wanted, was calamine lotion, only because I became quite addicted as a small child to the smell of it. And I, <laughs> on that happy note, love you. <laughs> On that happy note of calamine. I loved calamine lotion. You'd put it on if you got prickly heat and stuff like that. Or what was the other thing? Not prickly heat. We used to get something. Whatever it was, it came with the the sunshine. And then you put the calamine on. And I used to think, oh, you loved it. I love the smell of it. I'm not even sure if you can still buy it. I'll have to check with my chemist goods to find out if you can still get calamine. I might just buy it for the sake of buying it because I like the smell. Does that make it wrong? Does that make it? Should I have that? Should I have Andrew's liver salts? And everything else? Uh, probably not, actually. <laughs> but, uh, I'm supposed to keep most things. I've, I've got plasters and I've got heel cream and, oh, God, enough. If, if you're diabetic, I tell you, your life takes on a whole new meaning. OK, listen, um, Steve. Oh, somebody else is saying they were off to Joe Allen's tonight. I wish they'd finished doing all the roadworks outside. At the end of the stretch, it's going to be about a year. But it doesn't alter the fact it's still one of my favourite places in town. It really is. It's just, you know Not because of you know, showbiz connections, just because I like it.
0: You're listening to
1: a podcast from LBC. Coming up at 7 o'clock this morning on LBC, Nick Ferrari with breakfast. The black cab rapist John Warboys will stay in prison after the High Court blocked his release. Nick will speak to one of his victims who had to crowdfund the legal action to keep him inside. It's now exactly one year until we leave the European Union, so LBC's political editor Theo Usherwood... We'll get an update on how Brexit plans are going from Theresa May. And the prominent Leave campaigner Ian Duncan-Smith will also be joining Nick to take your calls on what he makes of the government's plans. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari. This morning from 7 here on LBC. We've got uh, 24 minutes to 7 now. Um, They've got various stories in the papers today. Labour in the meltdown over the anti-Semitism. Richard Madeley under fire for teasing a weather girl... About an outfit now I think they've sort of they've chosen their words fairly carefully, and uh, he suggested in jest, of course, it's always one of these things, but you know to some people, it sounds a little bit strange that uh, the weather girl should test the denim mini dress she was wearing in the rain after she said she was worried it would shrink. Uh, a lot of people have labeled him creepy and sexist uh because it's this looks a bit odd, doesn't it really but um and um, he actually told uh, Susanna Reid uh, that we're loving the denim look Lucy. It's just an outfit she's wearing. She's reading the weather, OK? How many weather people do they need on that programme, incidentally? How many have they got? Probably a load of them. But uh, it's a bit Dolly Parton, she said. She then added, I'm a bit worried it's going to shrink in the rain, which was not the greatest move for the weather today. And uh, And then they all sort of picked up on it. I mean, some people say it's just being a little bit dirty. But uh, there again, you know, you get that with Eamon Holmes as well. They all do this. It's all sort of, you know, a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Is it really that offensive? Does it really make uh, you know any difference at all? <coughs> the answer is probably not. Probably not. Uh, this handshake. This is Kim Jong-un. Fatty, fat, fat. And uh, they said that this handshake, uh, this is with uh, China's uh, Xi Jinping, uh, means that he could be ready to axe his nukes. Which actually in itself would be an absolute miracle, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be nice if we could do that. There's also an app that's out at the moment to stop children deserting the BBC. Because apparently um, the BBC don't seem to worry about children anymore. I don't know what ages they're catering for. But what they don't want is the kids going off to watch Netflix. But there again, I thought children's television sort of gave up years ago. In my day, we had lots of children's programmes and we identified with them. I couldn't even tell you who was presenting Blue Peter. I can't tell you if 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 it's even going. I've no idea. It is still going, we think. (coughs) But it's only on their CBB. Channel was in fact, as far as I was concerned, it was a mainstream program on the BBC. It's not on BBC One, is it? It was, sh- and then it was shoved away up in Manchester into a small cupboard, and nobody bothered with it. But in its day, it was the main studio at the BBC that you know that they they took over, and it was a force to be reckoned with. Kids loved it, but then I suppose kids change. You know, kids now have got mobile phones; they're not interested in seeing somebody sitting there with a pussy cat and a pet Labrador. They don't care. But in my day, it was, it was the hot programme. And if you were really rebellious, you flipped over the other side and watched Magpie, God help you. And then after Magpie, there were various... Tis Was, which set new new standards. And all of a sudden, children's television started going in a different direction. So uh, they've got an app to try and get them back again. Way past that now. They've left it way too late. Way too late. Should have the, the rot set in ages ago. You remember when they used to announce, we've got the new Blue Peter presenter? We'd sit there thinking, who is it? Who is it? And along came Peter Duncan or whoever it happened to be. we go, wow, that's the new Blue Peter presenter. And they'd always get them out there to swim in the uh, serpentine on sort of New Year's Day with freezing cold. But uh, that sort of hardened them up a little bit. And you used to think, that's, they were our friends. They were our friends. Uh, British man in world's worst case of super gonorrhea. Bet you never thought you'd hear that at 20 to 7 in the morning. I'll let you read it. And lots of uh, tributes to Doddy, king of comedy. And kids dressed up as uh, as the Diddy Men. Uh, also, who turned up? Tom O'Connor. Uh, Jimmy Tarbuck. Uh, there was also Ricky Tomlinson. Load of people, load of people. Uh, Miriam Margulies turned up as well for the funeral. And they, uh, they turned out for him, which was lovely. Uh, also, Elf and Safety and White Horse Clean-Up Crew. For four generations, Jim Bealby's family have looked after Britain's largest white horse. Uh, this is, uh, it's cut into uh, the uh, the rock, it's cut into the hillside, it's chalk, and it's uh, of the White Horse of Kilburn. It's been created on a North Yorkshire hillside in 1857. The landowner has banned devoted locals from tending it on health and safety grounds. Owner, the Forestry Commission, says it will do the work itself following recent instructions to volunteers to stop using strimmers. Or any mechanical devices, as well as chemical sprays, during their regular weeding sessions. It's nothing sacred anymore. It's all gone pear-shaped, hasn't it? All gone pear-shaped. Uh, plus 250 of Harry's old comrades falling in for his wedding day. Uh, the school removing the loo roll in the toilet sounds about the daftest thing I've ever heard. How can little children know if they really genuinely want to go to the toilet? And they have to put their hand up, so do you really need to go to the toilet? Sorry? Do you need? They're only up to the age of 11, so you can imagine. I mean, yeah, when 11-year-olds want to go to toilet, they want to go to toilet. It's as simple as that. Uh, also in the paper today, this was a strange story. This this one could have implications rocketing around the world. Um, it's the viola player who sued the opera house. Uh, this particular man had a successful career. He played on stage with Kylie, Min- oh, here we go, Kylie Minogue again and the three tenors. He's a viola player. But his hearing has been irreparably damaged by loud music during Wagner rehearsals. Because unfortunately, the, the lineup is at the front of every orchestra, you get the violins, the violas, and, uh, and things like that. And then you move a little bit further back, and behind them, the brass section. Behind them, timpani. And always the, the timpani is kind of sort of, if it's just a drummer then they're sort of shielded off from everybody else. They always sort of seem to put them in a separate little piece uh, because they're quite loud. Well, this one here, I mean, you could have all sorts of problems, couldn't you, around the world? People going, excuse me, I've been playing in front of brass sections and it's right in my ear. Because if you're playing a trombone, that's right behind... There's no big gap between them. They're all on a stage. I mean, you can go onto YouTube and see orchestras doing it. But anyway, the High Court has ruled in his favour on breach of duty and causation of injury. He could receive, wait for this bit, up to a million pounds, up to a million pounds in damages, as his claim for earnings alone is almost £750,000. He says he suffered acoustic shock and became unwell after sitting in front of an 18-strong brass section during orchestral rehearsals for a performance of Richard Wagner's Ring Cycle. It's unbelievable. Apparently, according to court papers, the sound peaked at 137 decibels, which is... They always say the same thing. It's roughly the sound of a jet engine, you know, and you're sort of sitting there. At a previous hearing, he told the court he'd lived a fairly quiet existence since leaving the Opera House and managed his condition by avoiding sounds which cause him pain, such as a noisy restaurant. Good Lord above. All this opens the floodgates to everybody, I would have thought, who plays in orchestras, because they are... I mean, what happens if you're doing the 1812 Overture? Those crashes and bells and whistles and timpani and everything all going off all over the place. It's all going off all over the place in Buckingham Palace because here is the uh, the Queen, and uh, it's it's very interesting that the Queen brought out another portable heater as she welcomed the President of Estonia to Windsor Castle because it's so cold. Seriously, they do have radiators, but it's very cold, so she had a heater and now she's brought a little fan heater back. And I'm telling you now, fan heaters cost a fortune. So obviously the Queen doesn't need to worry about money or something like that. But this place must be so cold. So cold. You think to yourself, can't they put proper heating in that works, you know, a nice, and keeps the place to a, an even temperature? Uh, questions being asked in the paper today. How did the teacher jailed over the school terror plot get two council houses? This is Mohammed Abid, who failed to report jihadist activities. Guilty. And uh, he ends up with uh, his flat and his wife's property. It's a right little old fiddle going on there. Quite easy. Uh, also, the Weinstein assistant who was gagged after reporting his abuse 20 years ago. We are still waiting, aren't we, on any... I mean, nobody's appeared in court or anything at all. So at the moment, it's just a lot of people talking, but no it hasn't gone any further. Harvey Weinstein has not appeared in court. Harvey Weinstein has not been charged with anything. Uh, tanker driver Phil says, what a wonderful day, everybody. Wonderful day to stand by the side of Smithtown Road with your tickling stick and sing happiness as Doddy goes by on his last to a packed house. Good, I'm glad. People clapped him. He'd have been thrilled. You often wonder, don't you? This sounds really ridiculous. But you often sort of think, you know, Jiggy's in there going, oh, that's nice. That was a nice send-off. Because that's what I would always like to think. I would always like to think. I would like to think that Diana would be smiling. Somewhere. Although that barking pair of psychics, the twin psychics, they've come up with any old rubbish. It was in the papers the other day that they've now been pronouncing that Diana said, oh, she's been to all the weddings up until now. No, she hasn't. It's just twaddle, I'm afraid. Just absolute twaddle. Um, What else do we have in the paper today? Oh, we have to take a quick break, actually. Um, I was trying to see whose birthday we were celebrating. Oh, John Major. There you go. John Major today is 75. 75. It's amazing, isn't it?
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nine minutes to seven. So here's this lady uh, called Mrs Kirkham. Uh, She collapsed in a charity shop. She was having an epileptic fit and she smashed a glass bowl and she cut her foot. When she regained consciousness, she was confused. Her foot was covered in blood. Instead of kind words from the shop manager as she struggled to understand what had happened, she was badgered about paying for the damage before the paramedics arrived to take it to hospital. Mrs Kirkham, who's 72, crashed into an unsecured display of glassware after suffering an epileptic seizure um, as she tried on sandals at the men-cap shop on Monday. The bowl shattered, cut her foot as she writhed on the floor. Mrs Kirkham said, the gentleman, the shop manager, did call an ambulance because my foot was bleeding and there was blood all over the floor, but he was more interested in me paying for the goods. "'than having a fit. "'All I can remember as I regained consciousness "'is the shop worker repeatedly saying, "'You've got to pay for the goods. "'I've got to charge you for the goods.' "'She says, when you come out, uh, as you can imagine, "'when you come out of a fit, "'it takes a long time to work out what's happening, "'and initially the voice sounded so far away. "'I was so confused. "'I didn't know what had been broken. "'I was eventually taken away in an ambulance, "'and it was only then I was really able to make sense "'of what had happened. "'My husband said they didn't show any sympathy "'or offer any, any kind of apology.' Anyway, after she fell unconscious, her husband Kevin fetched a chair while he went to pay for the sandals with a £20 note, the only cash he had, but the shop manager said he would keep the £17 change to pay for the glassware. She's had an epileptic fit? Goodness sake, anyway. Mrs Kirkham comes from Sandbatch. She was discharged from hospital later that day. Um, Glenn Hall of the Learning Disability Charity apologised to her the other day and says Mencap was mortified. He an unfortunately, a new member of staff who was temporarily in the shop uh, and was unsure on how to react, made the wrong decision. It's always an excuse, isn't it? Have you noticed there's always an answer? It was a new member of staff. So, in other words, it was an untrained member of staff who didn't know what an epileptic fit was and then said, well, who's going to pay for this glass bowl? Well, I don't know. You shouldn't have had it in a place where it could be knocked over. Oh, honestly, this country's gone mad, mad, mad. Uh, Steve, the Queen thought of external cladding to keep Windsor Castle warm, says Andy. No, the last time they kept it warm, they had a fire. And uh, they decided maybe that wasn't a, such a good idea. I've got a full set of the Civil War cards that came with the dollars and the gum, says Kevin. That's right, B flash. And uh, Gary says, I'm working in Twickenham this week. Don't be silly, nobody works in Twickenham, it's retirement country. It's beautiful. It's lovely. We all, we're all on holiday permanently. And apparently, Martin says, the BBC and other terrestrial channels dropped mainstream programming for children in preference for stringer game shows. No wonder kids are stuck on social media. It's awful, isn't it? I mean, there used to be loads of... Then they stick it on another channel, and because nobody knows how to find it, you don't, you don't kind of get it, do you? Bit of a problem. Front pages of the paper this morning. Victory for war boys victims who sought justice. Uh, this is front page... Of the uh, the sun, and uh, they say it's the sun's legal fight. I think it was just everybody's. Uh, the Daily Mail today's parole system fit for purpose. And spy and daughter poisoned by nerve agent on the front door. I don't know what happens to them. You've got a neighbour, which we played on LBC a short while ago, saying they should be allowed to die. I don't think they want to die. But do they know where they are? Do they know what's happening? Are they, you know, have they opened their eyes? They're being. I don't know. Very worrying. Uh, Taxi rapist stays jailed, say the Daily Star, tickling sticks and tears, the amazing tributes at Doddy's funeral, he'd have been delighted, he'd have been so thrilled, seriously anybody in show business would love that uh, that kind of send off, Uh, the Daily Mirror, TV chef's guide to cooking up an Easter feast, and it's James Martin. Uh, R.I.P. Doddy, they've got the little kids dressed up as diddy men. I mean, I shouldn't imagine they know what a funeral is, these little children, but there you go. £9 million lotto win, and I'm single, jobless dad, split from his partner. There's going to be a story, isn't there, why he's jobless? There's got to be a story because uh, there just has to. Be. I just see a the story there. Uh, the Guardian this morning: parole board chief forced to quit after court quashes move to free war boys. No border exit records for six hundred thousand individuals. They don't know if they've left, stayed, hidden in the country, ripping us off. We've got no idea. They just don't know. It's as simple as that. Times this morning: they have the uh, President Macron saluting Lieutenant Colonel Arnaud Beltrame, who sacrificed his life to save a hostage. I thought that was quite an emotional thing when you see the coffin uh, draped with the tricolour just sort of in the middle and all the people around. Uh, Plus, Corbyn ally quits after Holocaust hoax row. It's on the Times. Uh, Also, save one heart and break another with weight loss surgery. What's Kim's game? They question the unrivaled analysis from the Far East. What's he playing at? I think he just wants people to like him. I seriously believe that. I know he's been responsible for Goldner's. All sorts of uh, dreadful things. But I think he's now got to that stage where he's realised that, you know, they could all be blown up quite easily. Daily Express, one year to Brexit. Our national journey out of the EU is almost over and a glorious view awaits. Says Boris Johnson. Uh, and uh, there's a lovely picture of the White Cliffs of Dover. which always makes me feel fairly wistful and fairly nostalgic. Daily Telegraph. Uh ching The makings of a £32 million wedding. This is what they think... Henry's wedding is going to cost £32 million. How can it cost £32 million? How big is the? How much is the cake? Can we see a price for these? I want to see a breakdown if we're paying. I want to know. But uh, as I say, he's only marrying an actress. You know what actresses are like. And um, they've also got war boys victims accused Minister of Disgusting Attempt to Shift the Blame. And somebody says, I wouldn't want any other woman to have to go through this. They've got no idea how many victims he had. No idea. It could be 50, 60, 70, anything up to 100, they think. If not more. If not more. Uh, The Skripal, poisoned by nerve agent on the front door. It's taken them long enough to get round to that one. Military promised extra £800 million funding. That'll be nice. What it'll do, I've got no idea. And the terror chief says don't query suspects' faith. Police should not automatically question Muslim terrorism suspects in details about their religion. Okay, okay. That's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. If you're one of those people who's working today and then you're off tomorrow, I'm here tomorrow. Just want to tell you that now. I don't know sort of disappearing off going, oh, the word. Oh, what was the word? The word I was trying to transmit that nobody got this morning was tsunami. Tsunami was the word. We wrote it down, the producer wrote it down, so no, no, no cheating on my... Nobody got it. I'm very disappointed. But uh, if you download the LBC app, as well as listening to LBC wherever you are, you can listen back to this and all of our other programmes from the last week for free on the catch-up feature. Go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and you can do that to get my free podcast as well. On my little bit extra today, we'll hear more from Caroline Flack and her latest 10-second relationship with the Toy Boy which came to an end, and poor Caroline can be very rude with disgusting language, it turns out. you also find out some of the huge A-list names who turned up at the National Film Awards. Big stars like Sarah Harding and Daniela Westbrook. Yes, it was an award for films in case you didn't catch the news earlier Kylie Minogue has a new album out and she's going to make sure you know about it and you're bored to death by it although the single's quite good my little bit extra available very shortly and it's free download the LBC app for iPhone or Android tap on catch up at 10 o'clock this morning James O'Brien live from the Stephen Lawrence Centre as we approach the 25th anniversary of his murder before that with breakfast it's Nick
0: Ferrari